a trio of remakes, the creamy center of the Sandler Barrymore Oreo, and a documentary about vampires. This week on 302010. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a pop culture journey. 30, 20, and 10 years ago, telling you what all the dope milestones and anniversaries that happened exactly 30, 20, and 10 years ago to this week. This week being February 9th through February 15th, a seven-day period, 30, 20, and 10 years ago, 1994, 2004, and 2014. That's when we're recording, but you can listen to other dates. We have eight whole seasons worth of this, so uh, it's a really fun show, and we appreciate all your support. Once again, thanks to our patrons, patreon.com slash time. Give us five bucks, we'll give you extra shows like the Terminator one that's up now. Hello, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. And remember, be a werewolf, not a swearwolf. <laughs> and I'm J.R. Rawls, and if you're going to eat a sandwich, you would just enjoy it more if you knew no one had fucked it. <laughs> People want to know, did anybody fuck your burrito at uh, Casa Bonita, our boy J.R.? Uh, went on assignment to cat the opening of the grand reopening Casa Bonita in Colorado. Yep, it's a soft open. You have to be on the mailing list, which I signed up about nine, ten months ago to be on, <laughs> and I finally got uh, my foot in the door. Took the whole family there, and I was blown away. It is a fifty thousand square foot restaurant. Oh my god! I know, because you said that's. How- you sent a picture of the the front of it, and yeah, it's it a small Spanish castle, and it's all lit up in pink. And I was immediately drawn to the giant sign next to it for an orthodontic office. So is it like in a shopping center? It's in a strip mall. You would never <laughs> guess that this is some like amazing huge thing. It, as far as I can tell, it's a TARDIS because you walk in, and yeah. the thing is just gigantic, and it keeps going and going, and they've got the painted ceilings that make it look like it's nighttime in Mexico thing. It literally looks down. like uh, the Mexico area in Epcot. Yeah. 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 It's very much so. It reminded me a lot of that. Uh, everything you see in the South Park episode actually happens. They do have a mine. They do have an old prospector. They do have cliff diving, oh my um, God. <laughs> face painting, um, all these really fun things. And the food is actually good. I would say the food is a solid B plus, A minus Mexican food. Is it expensive, so, the whole experience? Yeah, it, it it's a chunk of change. Um, mm. But 100% worth it. Uh, you can spend a long time there. Your entrance fee gets you both the food and all the free stuff. Uh, puppet show, uh, magician act, all oh, wow. these. It is... 70s kitsch on steroids. Yeah. I mean, they they obviously have modernized it, but they kept the vibe the same because you go in there and it's like a lounge act is going to break out at any moment. That's <laughs> that's awesome, and 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 it it's worth mentioning just because uh, in case you don't know what it is, it was made famous on an episode of South Park, and viewers like me didn't know it was a real restaurant. And when it was about to go under, because I guess there was numerous ones back it, in the days. It went bankrupt during COVID. And and, and the, the Trey Parker and Matt Stone, the creators of South Park, stepped in to save it. And they and they did. And that's do they I saw you showed one picture of a like a very specific non Mexican South Park reference 
Is it <laughs> is it littered with South Park references? No, they're very sprinkled in just a tiny bit here and a tiny bit there. They 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 mainly kept with the South uh the Casa Bonita theme, but they do acknowledge, hey, South Park is the reason we were able to write this big of a check. But it's, it, it just made me think, like, pop-ups only come to, like, themed restaurant pop-ups only come to L.A. Like, it'd be really cool if, like, there was one restaurant in the United States that represented an entire show's legacy or something like that. Some, <laughs> wouldn't that be neat? You can go to the Breaking Bad restaurant, the Turkey <laughs> Television restaurant. Why was that my second choice? But... <laughs> Something like that. I would definitely eat a Sopranos yeah. restaurant. I mean, oh. I, I technically do every single family gathering, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> past the Gabagool. Already booked this place. I'd love it. it and eat nothing but Gabagool. Gabagool. Uh, <laughs> All the way. All right. Well, let's get into 30, 2010. Let's get into today. We, people wanted to know, so we had, to, and I was damn curious, because like, to, to, to learn that place existed is like, kind of like a dream coming true i didn't know it was a real thing and <laughs> i'm gonna say if you're ever in denver it is a must not a want to do in denver 100 percent. Oh. there you go okay so i'm still just stuck on so it's mexican medieval times no no it, it's it's <laughs> i mean there's no jousting and there's no right. like uh but, but there's cliff diving and there's cliff you know, diving. Everything looks like a Mexican village, it looks like, which is weird because Colorado used to be Mexico. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, I'm confused now. All right. Let's get back let's get back into 30, 20, 10 years ago. Starting with some news from nineteen ninety four, beginning as we always do, nineteen ninety four, thirty years ago, February ninth through the fifteenth. A little bit of news, kind of big news. Uh is is Israel signs the uh accord with uh PLO's Yasser Arafat. This, this is not Oslo. Is that, I thought that was last year. But whatever. Yeah, We're setting up a Palestinian agreement. authority. Yeah. This is the actual accord signing between two brutal enemies. Uh, this quote, I think, sums it up pretty darn well. You know, I remember Shimon Peres, a friend of mine, Shimon Peres. When I negotiated with him, and I, I get frustrated and angry, he used to tell me, Saib, Negotiating frustration for five years is cheaper than exchanging bullets between us for five minutes. He's right. A lot of truth mm. in that. Uh, truth. I mean, to say nothing of the goddamn loss of human life and misery and suffering. Uh, and it's, I'm glad we got this solved 30 years ago. And it doesn't mm -hmm. weigh on us yeah. today. Dear listener, the 90s were a magical fun time that is hard to understand in the current year. I mean, there was so much good news happening. The fall of the Soviet Union, the end of apartheid, that when they were signing this peace agreement, I, I know yeah. it sounds crazy. People generally thought there would be peace in the Middle East in February of 1994. That was something people thought was attainable. And today, I really think most people are What's the least bad it could get? What's what's the least sucky <laughs> uh, it could get? Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, okay. But Fuck then, Netanyahu! Yes, in other oh, news, uh, The Scream, 30 years ago, a uh, uh, painting by Norwegian painter Edvard Munch, Munch uh, it's stolen! Uh, <laughs> it's stolen in Oslo during the opening of a Lilyhammer Winter Olympics. What a what a good cover to, to do an art theft. Hell Yeah. It, it is it is a good art theft. It took them less than a minute. It was a smash and grab, 
and they just took off with it and left a note like, thanks for your shitty security assholes. Wow. <laughs> Did they get it back? Yes. They got it back a couple months later. Oh, okay. It's one of those things where, okay, you've got it. How do you, how do you fence how do you, this? Do you, you, can't fence <laughs> you have to know like Mark Zuckerberg personally. Like, yeah. how, how do you keep this a secret? Do you Because this is such a famous painting. I mean, if you've got, uh, you know, Van Gogh's lesser works, you know, not one of the famous ones, just a Van Gogh, let's say, you might be able to sell that and have a guy be like, I don't care. I'm I'm shady. I'm going to mm -hmm. keep this. But the scream is so iconic. I mean, it is so famous. You can't just hang it and be like, "This is my scream." Wasn't that stolen? Yeah, you wouldn't even be able to uh, show no, it no, off. No, 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 no. <laughs> you wouldn't even. No. Yeah, never have a party in your life. No, I mean the best you can do is like do you, check out this really good reproduction of the scream I have. <laughs> or maybe you're in some kind of shady business like a drug cartel, and that's how you build trust between people. I showed you my scream painting. You got something on me. <laughs> <laughs> circle of trust here in the like the way you think is a crime yeah no, circle just, of trust it's all going to be art based yeah, yeah it's the <laughs> Colombian cartel it's all based on knowledge of art uh, and then also this week uh, not the thing you're thinking of but model Anna Nicole Smith is hospitalized for a drug overdose hospitalized and released yes yeah. uh, this is we, we have not gotten to the to the wedding yet she will be much more in the news later on in the year when she finally finally finds love forever i mean like a year because the guy's 80 something <laughs> he's a very old man but you know but she was a, a known model i mean she was a huge model for guests like because yeah. she's ridiculous looking <laughs> she's just an incredibly looking woman i her reality show was no, she, what showed me how people get made up to look like her and how I had no idea. Like, you can probably get me to look like that if you had, like, six people and a couple of hours throwing me into makeup. Oh, honey, I no, hear a drag no. challenge coming Hey, away. look, make me make me feel like I'm tired of feeling unpretty. Somebody help me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's going to take you four or five hours, yes, honestly. There's going to be several layers of makeup Take the on. average and then add, like, nine to that. That's me, yes. Yeah. I think I hear a bonus time oh, episode Lord. in the work. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, good Lord. I'm, yeah. I, I'm, but, I'm down. Uh, and then, so shall we get into the movies? Uh, the movie is 1994 movies, February 9th to the 15th. Ace Ventura, Pet Detective is still number one in the box office, Diana. Oh, fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, I'll take it for Jim but, Carrey. Hey, man, if I looked like Sean Young and I was biologically a man... You're damn right I would live like Sean Young. Yeah, yeah. Well, you probably make a big case about being Catwoman. I would. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, let's... let's <laughs> I dress like that all the time. Let's, Come on, that's me going to the market. Let's pivot to talk about one of the weirdest franchises in history. <laughs> this this okay. movie got a sequel. Austin O'Brien, hot off of Last Action Hero. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Dan Aykroyd, and Anna uh, Klumsky. Am I saying her name right? Don't care. Mm -hmm. Because you know who she is. It's My Girl 2. My Girl 2. My Girl, America's sweetheart, is back. Dad, when a boy likes you, does he pretend that he doesn't like you? And she's at that age. Uh-oh, here comes puberty. When friends start acting funny. Act natural. Totally natural. Boys start paying attention. Are you suffering from a chemical imbalance? And life starts getting interesting. My Girl 2. I'm 13. Maybe it's about time I got my own apartment. Oh, Dan Aykroyd falls over. I didn't get to rewatch this, but I've seen it several times. And it just always occurred to me, like, this should either... My Girl should never have a sequel, 
or should never have stopped getting sequels. And by that, I mean maybe be a TV show. I'm, I almost find it weird they didn't try and spin this into a TV show with the main, yeah, with the main I, star. I saw My Girl 1 for the first time in preparation for this oh, episode. Oh, you did? Just, yeah. It oh, was so never on my radar. You're the, you're the kid who was untraumatized by these. <laughs> <laughs> yep. For whatever reason, I just missed that uh, HBO rerun window. And mm. uh, I, it was amazing. One was great. A really impressive uh, examination of a young girl coming to terms with death. And this is the great examination of a young girl coming to terms with her sexuality and her identity, which yeah. are all things teenage girls have to deal with. It's mm-hmm. it, it's I, I'm not saying I I like the movie. I remember liking the movie. It's just like it is so weird for something like this to be sequelized, because unless you do it fast, what is the point of what? It is interesting to watch this young girl grow up, especially under unique cir- circumstances. Living in a funeral home, has a dead mom, has a dead best friend. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good point. That they this would have been fun as a series of TV movies where they seven up it. Like every three yeah. years, oh, we yeah. check in with her, especially because it's a period piece. It takes place in the seventies, so we can you know address the issues of the time or whatever, and it won't feel too uh, scary. I don't know. I, I would have loved to see three be about her graduating high school and moving out. You know, mm. that that transition it's is allegedly very what important. was supposed to happen. It was supposed to take place. It was set up in the 2000s and the, the mid 2000s and never got off the ground. But it was in the mix for like a third My Girl movie aged up 10 years. And that, yeah, obviously that's not going to happen. Why would that need to happen now? <laughs> my I woman. I bet you eventually <laughs> they will make a My Girl 3 and it's about her and her daughter. Yeah. They're leaving money on the table. And it's set at the release of My Girl 1. Yes. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> okay. She grows up. She becomes a writer. She writes My Girl. Mm-hmm. She has a daughter. There. All right. Yep. We're done. And, and, okay. Yep. And we for me, it, it felt like Anna Clumps, like a very charming, cute actress, like kind of disappeared after this until showing up on like nine seasons of Veep. And mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, if you if you don't know who this is, that I'm, I'm just hoping somebody finally makes that connection. That's fucking my girl. And uh, I, th- I think part of it was a willing withdrawal from Hollywood until she was a little older. Yeah, which I I don't blame her for because yeah, I I think she is a, a real like not child actor. Re- both reality and like likability like i could mm. i could relate to her even though i think she's like a couple of years younger than me i was still like oh yeah i know that but this is this one's about like she wants to go to la and learn more about her dead mom and also she's discovering boys <laughs> yes. and i have to admit i watched very few things this week because either i had no power no internet or neither so i'm taking a back seat this week finally someone i have no need. opinions um, well, I watched it, and you know, my daughter hasn't gone on a real first date yet, but it's going to be happening soon. And yeah, I'd perfectly be happy her watching this movie to see what is that journey, what is that transition like. I think it's a good, solid movie. Recommended. Okay. Is it compared to the next uh, movie about children? Oh, also, oh my gosh! Also starring a a uh, 
well, uh, the, the the baby from Family Ties. That's all I can think mm-hmm. of Brian Bonsall as. He's he's, baby. he's Worf's son. He's the baby from Family Ties. And what I love is I was so into movies in 1994 and I was following the box office. And Michael J. Fox is going to have an upcoming film. And, you know, obviously he was in Family Ties against the baby in Family Ties. And this box office wise blows his film out of the water <laughs> it's just not even close well, it's it's now uh, child, I child wish fulfillment that. uh that's what i remember yeah. wanting to get my hands on it blank check mm-hmm. um michael lerner jane atkins and tone loke again uh not enough see him in ace ventura <laughs> james reborn miguel ferrer karen duffy and of course brian bonzel the movie blank check disney's blank check not the podcast blank check we referenced constantly last week from Walt Disney Pictures, when Preston Waters got a blank check. Get that check to your dad, he'll know what to do with it. He did something everyone dreams of doing. One million dollars. He cashed it. Yay! Now he's buying the coolest car. Preston! The neatest toy. Ah! And a whole lot of trouble. Yeah! Preston! Disney's blank check. For further notice, you're grounded. Let's like party till we die. Rated PG. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. So I thought the film did a great job in the first half of showing childhood hedonism. What would a kid <laughs> spend all this money on if he had all this money? And yeah, it's man. Like it's total like total wish fulfillment. It, the whole movie is, look, one of my favorite movies as a kid, DuckTales Treasure the Lost Lamp. They get a lamp, they make wishes, and they focus for like five minutes on what three nephews would wish for around their already palatial mansion. Like, hell yeah, this should be its own movie. And now it is. Thank you, Disney. Mm. <laughs> Childhood hedonism but, is a great way to a great way to put it. <laughs> but about halfway through, he starts caring about an adult party and throwing this <laughs> swanky adult thing because he's into this twenty-eight year old lady. Yeah, this is the thing this movie is known for that this has a kiss on the mouth between a small child and a 31-year-old future VJ Karen Duffy. <laughs> it's dumb and dumber's Karen Duffy to me. It's, yeah. uh, yeah. Although he's in, like, how the fuck is this on Disney Plus? But so many other things are not. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's 12. He's 12. Yeah. But he looks younger. He looks younger yeah. than 12. Yeah. Mm. Let, mm, no... Hey, but keeping with our theme from Casa Bonita, uh, the the castle that's in this movie is a real place in Texas. Yes. Uh, Robert Rodriguez owns now. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah. I wonder if he throws big parties where he boxes with his uh, chauffeur in <laughs> giant boxing gloves and Next eats to his F1 uh, an ice cream that's as large enough that it needs to fit in a garbage can. Oh. <laughs> what a waste of a million dollars! God damn it, kid! And it, it, yeah. And it's even also, more... I miss Miguel Ferrer. Yeah, who we're going to be talking about when and we James get to the corner. Yeah, oh, James Reborn too. Damn. Yeah, but Miguel Ferrer, goddamn. Yeah, I was thinking about him because of the the remake we're talking about in 2014. Oh, yeah. okay. So it is remake. So this episode is remake city. Um, yep. We got there we several. In yeah. our first up, uh, I am semi happy to say does has fallen off of Google resonance. The it, this does not surface before the original, which is always nice to see. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Richard Farnsworth, Jennifer Tilly, Michael Madsen, James Woods, Kim Basinger, and Alec Baldwin in The Getaway. 
An escape that leads to suspicion. I don't trust you, Doc. A crime that leads to betrayal. How's your wife? You're supposed to make a deal with him! The deal wasn't good enough! Then you should have walked away! A chase beyond the limits of suspense. You can live or you can die. Hell of a way to make a living, Doc. Alec Baldwin, Kim Basinger, James Woods, The Getaway. Rated R. Starts Friday, February 11th. Uh, yeah, The Getaway. The Getaway. So this movie should be pretty damn good because it <laughs> is back in the 70s, Walter Hill adapted Jim Thompson's novel to a movie called The Getaway with mm-hmm. Steve McQueen and Ali McGraw, who are a real couple. But Sam Peckinpah is the director, and as is his one, he changed a bunch of stuff. All these almost twenty years later, Walter Hill is like, "I want to do my original script," and they're yeah. like, "That's not a bad idea." And then so we have the the original script, and Walter Hill is a very good filmmaker. He's made Chris's favorite movie, The Warriors. Yes, forty eight hours. Yeah. Forty eight hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's done a lot of great shit. And so yeah, and we have a real life couple, and we're going for it again. And we can be even meaner now. People, are, you know, accept <laughs> meaner sex and violence, you know, because the early 70s, they, they were pushing the limit, but there was still a little holdover of the, the studio system. And like, we can't go that far. We can't say the F word quite yet. Oh, my. Now, and the, uh, so you end up with something that's like, it has its moments, but it's still, it's, it's not good. No. It is not good. And here's the thing that drives me insane. The the, the Steve McQueen getaway, Allie McGraw kind of sucks. She was never a very good actress. But Sorry. you can feel the chemistry. Mm-hmm. Alec Baldwin and Kim Basinger are both really good actors. They have been together a while now. They have, like, no chemistry <laughs> on screen. Uh, it's kind of weird. Mm. Like, they have, like, a love scene and everything, and you're like, wow, you guys really don't want to talk to each other right now huh and that's why i watched this movie over and over again on hbo when it would air because there is plenty of nudity although to this day this is the meanest sex scene i've ever seen and if michael madsen kidnaps a husband and wife and then the wife fucks michael madsen in front of the guy so he hangs himself while they're fucking in the bathtub what yeah it's like yeah how do we root for any of these people anymore? Oh my god! Oh no, it's it's even worse in the seventies version though because it is way more rapey, um, mm. and she is way more into it. Like, yeah, that's what she likes. Ugh. It's really creepy. Ugh. It's really that's yeah. Trigger warning on. Us yeah, I never went into the uh, original just because like how many times I watched this feeling nothing, waiting for boobs to come on screen. <laughs> it, but and Jennifer Tilly boobs. Yep. So there you go. No Basinger. They cheated you. They yep. cheated and be- baby Phil Cy Hoffman. Phil Cy Hoffman. And yeah, 30 I, I, years. It's odd to think about how many things did Alec Baldwin and Kim Basinger do with one another other than this and The Simpsons <laughs> when they were married. Um, well, see, they met on Marrying Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, yeah. I just felt like I had a, a me- bigger memory of them being a power couple because they hosted SNL together, they appeared mm-hmm. in The Simpsons together. Uh, but yeah, there wasn't a lot to that to that marriage. Steve McQueen was in more shit with his with his real life partner. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it, <laughs> content warning on the original, but you should watch the original because uh, Steve McQueen is the fucking man. So yeah. Deal. Well, also let's... apparently Alan McGraw is so annoying in that that my mom likes to tell the story 
that there's a scene where when she gets hit, the people applaud it. And then I do not endorse this. Oh. I I know the feeling. Uh, it, all right. So not recommended. Did you get no. any recommend? My Girl 2 maybe a recommend, but I would um, recommend my everything girl else. Too. Okay. And uh, man, the TV this week. Mwah, uh, <laughs> finally, I like as a little kid, uh, the first two shows I remember liking that weren't animated were Dukes of Hazard and Knight Rider. I remember not a second <laughs> oh, of them. Those might as yep. well be animated. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But then, but like, also, like, why did that lay dormant forever? Because my little kid brain was like, that show was fucking awesome. Is this the first big return of Knight Rider? Uh, Knight Rider 2010. <laughs> Knight Rider 13 years ago, we have a promo. To survive is your best friend, Cyberpunk's your worst enemy, Horsepower, your only hope. But you won't last a day without the night. For the first time anywhere, an action pack exclusive, Knight Rider 2010. Coming next from the action pack. First time anywhere, <laughs> failed pilot theater. <laughs> the action pack was such a crazy thing i i remember like being amazed at how nutso they would try anything to see if it stick and a couple of them did become series but it was its own thing there for a while i don't remember this was this just like a you don't remember the action of, pack block of syndicated television where they they'd air exactly, like yeah. master ninja or some shit <laughs> fort yeah. mystery mm -hmm. science very much all right so this is the second television movie following up knight rider 2000 That's which true. was three years ago so three years equals seven years for knight riders i guess I... <laughs> like seven years for dogs uh, yeah. uh and but it's it's like a prequel to start a new Knight Rider with with a, a like how this woman becomes an AI and then she gets put in the car. It's it's I guess it fell out of fashion because we're so close to actually owning kits. Like why bother? Why yeah. why is this yeah, special? I mean hook up uh chat GPT to Siri on your phone and that's your car these days. And I'm, it'll I'm sure. self drive itself pretty soon. Yeah man. Oh my god. Uh, but no, William Daniels is 96 years old, the voice of the original kit, Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World. Right and I, he could make so much money if he, I, oh, I want yeah. him to, I want him to voice my, uh, my, uh, what's it called? The GPS. car directions. Yeah. Yes. Does anyone have that? Because I know there's like all kinds of voices. Yeah, I know Snoop Dogg did it. Ask William Daniels to please return my turn directions. Right away. And yes, every now please. and then call me Michael. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, Chris, real quick, the action pack is why we have Hercules, the legendary what? journeys, oh. why we have Xena, Vanishing Sun, Jack of All Trades, hey. Cleopatra 2025, oh and then a God. whole bunch of, oh, Tech War. Action hey. pack is yeah, why sound, we have Tech War. Sounds like a, a breeding, like a pilot program for syndicated content, stuff networks mm -hmm. rejected. Pretty much, yeah. It's still pretty cool. Um, yeah, I, I did, yeah, action pack. I tried to Google it and you w won't surprise you, there's not a lot to find. Man. This show I remember vividly, and I was thinking about it the other day because I think it's semi-worthy of revival, but MTV's trashed, I think, my introduction to young Chris Hardwick. <laughs> it just, you don't think of that guy being in your life that long, but he was. Fresh mm -hmm. phrase, hosting an MTV game show, and uh, let's see, the promo will give you let you know everything you need to know. Would you sacrifice your most prized possessions for fame and fortune? 
That's what contestants are doing on MTV's new game show, Trash, where your trivia knowledge can save your valuables and your reputation. Blow a question, your stuff gets destroyed. Plug into Trash, part of your MTV dinner, weekdays at 6.30. Just, I remember this is such a cool concept. I'm going to watch the shit of this in like... In like four weeks, like I never want to see this again. <laughs> yeah, it's it's I, a great concept. I feel like you could just lie, like, oh yeah, this soda can was yep. given to me by my great grandma. <laughs> it's my most cherished possession. This, don't destroy yep. it. Stack of expired Pizza Hut coupons are, are my beloved. Yep. Uh, don't. <laughs> I feel like I would go way too big. Like these are my grandmother's ashes. Or... <laughs> This is the ring my great grandfather smuggled out of the Holocaust. This is the scream that I just stole from Oslo. And, and, <laughs> uh, but what I what I vaguely remember, even more so, because I think how do you keep finding people to want to do this if they're not so much winning things as pres- mm. the chance to preserve well, I, something? You would win something. Yeah, but it's it was so lame. Lost. It was like it was like yeah. it was like a thousand dollars or something like that to destroy a piece of your property. And like it was only impressive when it was like a TV or something because it's hard to destroy a doll. But yeah. if like I don't remember these guys, but I remember the sketches. In between, there were like sketches to introduce the concept or theme of trivia. And the one I clicked on: Brian Poston, Dana Gould, and David Cross. Mister Show is a year away. Dave, wow. Dave Gruber Allen and Joel Hodgson. Um, nice. And uh, oh, what's that guy's name from Malcolm in the Middle? My Dave Foley movie I love. David Michael Higgins. I can't remember. Oh, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Higgins from Higgins. Boys yes. Gruber. Yeah. Dude, these people are like all in interstitials in this. It's so bizarre because <laughs> of how much more famous all of them would become than the guy hosting the show. But Oh, my God. Chris Hardwick is 22 then. His haircut Aww. is so wonderfully Happy. 90s. You must see it. You must oh see it. Oh my God. Frosted tips? We got frosted tips? No, no, but just that like tiger beat middle parts bowl cut. Like it's just oh, perfectly 90s. Of course. That's the other men's haircut of the time. Yes, the JTT, I believe. Yeah, um, exactly. You got the JTT or you got the, the Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> and, and then up next we have, in my house we had one TV. And at nine o'clock, I wanted to watch In Living Color. And then we got another TV. And my parents discovered a show called Seinfeld. And then it, something happened. I lost the coin toss. And this is my first episode of Seinfeld. Whoa. Whoa. Starting You're... on a banger. Not only starting a banger, at... I think Larry David Larry David said, oh. that in, Larry David or Jerry Seinfeld said this is their, their favorite thing they ever wrote. Because they had to come up with this last minute monologue for Jason Alexander, like they have like minutes to shoot this and like, Oh, I forgot. He's a professional actor. He memorized it in like half an hour and came out and did this in front of a live studio audience. Uh, yeah. The episode, of the Marine and biologist. Nails it. Yeah. I'm going to say this is the best monologue in all of Seinfeld. There is no speech that is better. And nope. other than they're real and they're spectacular, I think this might be the best ending to a Seinfeld yeah. episode of all time. Oh, it's so good. I never so and I'd never so, seen anything like that. The two two stories that tie together because Kramer is hitting found, finds a, a set of golf clubs and starts hitting golf balls into the ocean, whereas George yeah. is lying to yeah. his the girl he's dating about being a marine biologist. I love it. Uh Jerry 
is the one who actually starts the lie. He meets this lady. They haven't seen each other oh, since yes. college. He's kind of like dissing George. He just starts lying to make George sound better. And she asks him, what's he do? Oh, he's doing really well. George is unemployed in, in the show. <laughs> he says, oh, he's a marine biologist. And then he goes to tell George. And George says, why didn't you tell her I was an architect? You know I've always <laughs> wanted to pretend to be an architect. <laughs> And this is probably my most quoted Seinfeld line because I go to the oh, beach yeah. a lot and anybody who asked me, I will start the same way George does in this little monologue that we'll play for you. The sea was angry that day, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> like an old man trying to send back soup in a deli. <laughs> I got about 50 feet out and suddenly... The great beast appeared before me. A whale. I tell you, he was ten stories high if he was a foot. As if sensing my presence, he let out a great bellow. I said, easy, big fella. <laughs> and then, as I watched him struggling, I realized that something was obstructing its breathing. From where I was standing, I could see directly into the eye of the great fish. Mammal. Whatever. <laughs> well, what did you do next? Well, then... From out of nowhere, a huge tidal wave lifted me, tossed me like a cork, and I found myself right on top of him, face to face with the blowhole. I, I, I could barely see from the waves crashing down upon me, but I knew something was there. So I reached my hand in, felt around, and pulled out the obstruction. It's a golf ball. I uh, probably should have said it. He's walking on the beach with a woman being lied to, and they see a beached whale, and he's like, you're a marine biologist. And he's like, I guess. And rolls up his sleeves and walks towards the whale. Um, great, great yeah. moment. I, the sea was angry that day, my friends, mm -hmm. is, yeah, is probably the number line. one quote that I use from Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Incredible uh, episode. And I, I just remember the, I, I, the, the way they tied those two storylines together. My little brain had not seen that before. I was a big yeah, Simpsons yeah. fan. And there's always what that the first act red herring what you think the show is going to be about, and then it's just all this other thing with a very very minor B plot maybe. That, that and, is my favorite thing about Seinfeld. Kirby enthusiasm does that too. Yeah. Um, coupling do that too. That's why I recommend coupling to people. It's like yeah, take taking a couple different stories that seem to be going separately, and then they converge right at the end, and it mm -hmm. all makes perfect sense. Everything pays everything else off. Love it. It's fantastic writing, listeners. If you have not watch Seinfeld in 20 plus years start at this episode it will just take you back easy in the top 10 easy yeah and mm -hmm. then equally uh, important historically the Simpsons this week Homer and Apu Apu's <laughs> biggest moment in the show oh boy yeah. I I understand kinda... why look Apu doesn't appear anymore and it makes mm -hmm. perfect sense why but I I appreciate how much they have humanized Apu over the years so do I yeah. And this this yeah, might I, be the number one. It starts as so, it's a ch very cheap racist joke as a character until you learn like this guy works harder than anyone in this fucking town and no one appreciates him. Mm -hmm. Gets shot, keeps on going. Uh, mm -hmm. That's the tragedy. I feel like this is like the start of the Simpsons taking side characters and yeah. going. It's your show now. This is all about this throwaway gag character. That's what I loved about the Simpsons. I, I for me, it always started with the auto show, like taking Bart's bus driver who is like just like so much of a dated character nowadays <laughs> uh but no he he's ridiculous there is not a metalhead uh bus driver yeah, out there in all of america no. uh but 
This episode begins with Apu uh, losing his job because he takes a hot dog from the floor and puts it on one of those disgusting hot dog rollers. Now, <laughs> I actually worked at a convenience store, and I did take care of the disgusting hot dog roller. And even though that was 28 years ago, I have never eaten a hot dog from a disgusting hot dog roller since. Oh, so you, are you saying I shouldn't? I don't know what's wrong with me. I wake up like almost every day craving hot dogs. I haven't gone to the gas station hot dogs just yet, but I'm like, why don't I? Should I should I just start? Not it's not do, the do best it way to go. At home, man. Do it at <laughs> <Yeah>. home. <laughs> oh, it's just such cheap, yeah. delicious food. My my silly dream is to make an all you can eat hot dog place. Why hasn't somebody done that? All the fixins, <laughs> all different kinds of dogs. But, oh yeah, you, you can never eat just one hot dog. It's they're, they're That's delicious. Great. Well, we got, we got James Woods twice in uh, one second. <laughs> this might be my <laughs> yeah. th- th- like if someone was going to say. Let's jettison James Woods into space. I'd be like, great. But this one episode of The Simpsons, he's really good on. He's really, really good. It's the only reason I still want him alive is The Simpsons episode. I'm just talking to my, my oven. Uh, and, and then, man, this is the all. The song, hit- though, the song uh, was part of the uh, Keys of Springfield. Songs or in the Keys of Springfield, that, yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. That, that CD that came out before the internet was huge, and it was like, I love all these Simpsons songs, but how can I listen to them? You know, uh, before YouTube and MP3s came along, that CD was like close to a podcast. It was a way for me to yeah. relive Simpsons episodes in a bite-sized format. And isn't it, isn't it I fun memorized... that before they did that, like, why don't we have the Simpsons singing original songs and covers <laughs> before <laughs> we put together songs from the show? Yeah, Th- this but, is the uh, second six. That's the second Simpsons album, "Songs in the Key of Springfield." The first one, "Simpsons Sing the Blues." It's one of my favorite awful things that's ever existed. Oh, I loved it so much. But I have like every word of this song memorized. Yes. Yep. Needs the quickie mark. Now here's the tricky part. Who won't know rhyme with me? Who needs the quickie mark? Therefore's our sticky mark. They made that sticky mark. Let's hurl a bricky mark. The quickie mark is real dope. <laughs> it's great. Oh, oh, but just, oh my God, I teased this earlier. <sighs> Not even putting it together. Uh, on Saturday Night Live this week, Alec Baldwin and Kim Basinger host together, which is, uh, yeah, you definitely don't see that very much. I cannot think of the last couple I've seen host SNL, uh, celebrity couple. It's been a long time. Uh, but they host like together. One. They host together. And, uh, yeah, the, the standout sketch I looked is like, wait, is this the first appearance of this uh, incredibly annoying no. character? No, it's the fifth, but it's the most controversial. And yes, I, I, I noticed that, too. It was not the first time he's ever appeared, but this is what I remember, like, blowing up the controversy. Like, I think in the next episode of SNL, they make fun of how controversial I, this I sketch think, is by saying, like, the Israelis and Palestinians came together to condemn Canteen Boy. Yeah, they, they had to issue an apology. It is the most complaints SNL has ever received. I didn't notice. But I, I was taping every episode of SNL, so like I always had access to this sketch, but they cut it out from repeat. So I haven't memorized, but you may have never seen it again until like I think Comedy Central finally aired it, like, like started re-airing it 10 years after the fact. Yeah. But it was but- Canteen Boy finally going to Boy Scout camp. It was a common trope to have 
a molesty scoutmaster. And it was in hindsight, yeah, kind of go. It's kind of out there for 1994, even now. It's the slow Alec Baldwin seduction of Adam Sandler's boy character is pretty wild. <laughs> a pretty mm-hmm. wild thing to do. Yeah. Um, and I think SNL is still ashamed of the sketch because you can find other less gross canteen boy sketches on mm-hmm. YouTube on the official sites, but they have scrubbed this from the internet. I, I couldn't find any clips. Yeah, I, 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 I'm YouTube. always shocked to see it's the most complaints, written, formal, phone call complaints the, the show has ever received. And- uh, yeah, because canteen boy, which is Adam Sandler doing a funny voice. Oh, good. How novel. It, but he he does not seem to be a child. He seems to be a special needs adult who wants to be a Boy Scout very very badly. Hey, okay, the canteen around with him everywhere he goes. <laughs> yeah, he's God. He's so fucking annoying. I remember the very first sketch and it was just like, is this this is the joke? Like that sinking feeling of and this is the joke. Oh, stick around for the next segment, so, folks. <laughs> oh yeah. So right, it is a guy molesting a intellectually disabled person yeah it's like actually they are a child actual molestation i think you could call what happens on screen he gets in bed with him takes his shirt off puts his hands all over him yeah yeah i mean it it, it totally rolled off my back as a kid like didn't notice it like this is funnier than other because the audience is going apeshit because i even i'm not comprehending what we're seeing is something you probably shouldn't be doing on network television <laughs> or any television. Why depict no. this? <laughs> no. Anyway, no. yeah. Canteen Boy, the 30th anniversary. Other anniversaries. Let's talk about some Super Nintendo games. February 9th through the 15th. Super Nintendo gets its alpha chicken. The circle is complete. Oh, oh uh, good. Because we had yeah. regular one last week. It's and really I was cool. very concerned. <laughs> alpha chicken is the coolest. I, I would love it if someone spent like $1.75 and bought the IP rights to all the failed platformers of like the <laughs> 1990s and combined them into like one giant forgotten platformer. Yeah. Bubsy, Arrow the Acrobat, Awesome Possum could be in there. Mm-hmm. Environmentalist Kick, he'd do great now. Uh, be better than Mickey's Ultimate Challenge. I don't know. I never played Mickey's so, Ultimate Challenge. Uh, I don't like to brag, but this box says it's a family game, but I uh, played it alone by myself. <laughs> And my family <laughs> will never know I played this game, and I have no intention of telling them. <laughs> it uh, is yeah. uh, baby's first Mickey Mouse game. Yeah, it is not one of the good ones. It's a high tech creation. You got to be careful with those. T uh, two, the arcade game. Uh, they have to say because it's not a side scroller. It is a first person shooter, and it was like everything I ever wanted. That arcade game, and. Mm-hmm. Then they, my buddy bought one of those arcade one-ups. Like, this is kind of a shallow, dumb gun game, isn't it? But, like, it had the Mac I mean, 10 and the rattling. Muncher. All, all the yeah. shooting arcade games are designed to be Oh, man. Virtual dumb, cop Because forever. they want you to be like, oh, I yeah. will spend money instead of getting good. You get the home version, you get good. Oh, it's so good. Time crisis all day. Uh, but T2, the arcade game, comes to the Super Nintendo, which I believe you can use the Super Scope on once a Genesis exclusive because they had the Menacer. Uh, we also, it, you heard the Olympics are in town if you're in Lilyhammer. And uh, Winter Olympics, Lilyhammer 94, out on every platform. Ignore it like I did. A bunch of minigame <laughs> collections. Every four years, we get these Olympic video games. And 
I don't think any of them stand out. I've like never seen like a retrospective where it was like, oh, the Athens 04 Olympic game is the <laughs> best Olympic game of all time. But you know what? The, and Matt's going to hate me for saying this. They, uh, they transformed into Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games. And that's become the big Olympic. And that's a huge seller every year. Because, okay. you know, why, why not challenge Sonic to a fucking foot race? Who would do that? <laughs> uh, and uh, then I love Bugs Bunny so much. And it pains me that he doesn't have a great game. But this is close. Bugs Bunny's Rabbit Rampage. A very, very pretty, pretty Bugs Bunny game. Yeah, this is the one where they're like recreating all of Bugs Bunny's greatest hits, it's right? Mickey it's Mania. Like, it's Mickey Mania for yeah. Bugs Bunny, which yeah, they they recreate his most famous cartoon sequences, and it just looks gorgeous. It looks incredible. Uh, and most Bugs Bunny games did not. He was tended to be shoehorned into other games, um, pretty bad ones at that. We deserve good Looney Tunes games, and then we got a book, a rare book from thirty years ago. JR, the book is what? The Winter King by Bernard Cornwall. It's actually been turned into a TV show last year. Oh. It's uh, the Arthurian legend, except without magic. It's just like when Rome fell, what was actually going on in Great Britain? Who was this Arturios guy? Probably. It's, mm. It's... Mm. Okay. Interesting. And uh, I'm gonna. why don't you take the comic book one, too? Because I actually don't know anything about this. Okay, so Deathmate is the biggest bomb in comic book history of all time. Death okay, mate. comic books don't really have bombs. That's not the way the medium really works <laughs> yeah. most of the time. But what happened is Image was trying to be outgunning, you know, Death of Superman. Hey, you bought Spawn number one. Well, Deathmate is going to be the new guy, and you're really going to want to buy deathmate but image being image they got late and then they got late again but the way the comic industry works is retailers had to pre-purchase yeah. the comic oh. months sometimes half a year or more before it came out so they, they, so they, they tend that. to buy low stock and then if the comic book's good they'll reprint it so people so they can meet demand but if a comic really bombs holy shit mm -hmm. holy shit yep and so Image just blew the bus because they're not good at actually running a comic book company. And by the time Deathmate actually appeared in stores, no one cared. No one wanted to buy it. So the comic book crash of the 1990s isn't one event, but you can definitely say this is the start of it. It's going to be yeah. a long, slow slide over the next two years. But this is this is this is probably the first slow motion popping of the bubble. E this is the ET of comic book industries. It's hard. Yeah. yeah, it's <laughs> not solely its fault, but it's a huge, huge ding. And mm -hmm. yeah, it, I, that's it's. I'm just looking at this side glancing while Jr. talks about it. I, I did not know about this at all. Uh, but Deathmate, oh my God, make that movie action pack. Why don't you? 1994 music, <laughs> February 9th through the 15th. New releases include a uh, self-titled album by Angelfish, Moonlight Becomes You by Willie Nelson, pronounced uh, <laughs> Jeanne by Jeanne. I thought that was a note from Diana. Ungod yep. by Stabbing Westward, and Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain by Pavement, which is on Rolling Stone's top 500 album list. Yep. But I think the more important thing to talk about is what his number one. Mm. This is not Celine Dion's first number one. It's actually not her second number one. But it is when she 
goes to power pop and that's the celine dion we love mm. we love the big dramatic punching myself in the chest wind machine i am your lady you are my man the kind of stuff that only she can sing and exactly. it's what she's best at um yeah this is love. a cover and she's absolutely destroying it and yes this is the celine i love this is the back to the future song right no. Sure. <laughs> I yeah. I remember when Huey Lewis was singing about how he was your lady and uh, I'm your you man. Do not need the credit Whenever card you to ride this train. Oh, I do not condone this, but AI artist, uh, have Huey Lewis in the news, please. Sing "The Power of Love" please. by Celine Dion. Please. please do not need the credit card to ride this train. Uh, <laughs> well, we will go out with <laughs> our AI wishes, but the real power of love by Celine Dion. It's number one this week, 30 years ago. Don't go anywhere. We're going to zip ahead 20 years right after this. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. 84 is a hell of a year, listeners. Yes. And this is one of the films that makes 84 such a special year. I mean, I don't remember. I was very young and definitely not seeing this movie in the theater, but it's like I was there for the resonant success. Like, I thought this was a franchise that would be around forever, ever. <laughs> Everybody had a dog named Gizmo uh, for a really <laughs> yeah. long time. Uh, it's Joe Dante's 1984 Gremlins, of course, we're talking about. I, I just wanted to say this off the bat. If this is your favorite movie, you either have no taste or the best taste. Yes, yes. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on patreon.com slash laser time. Coming into 2004 with The Way You Move by Outkast. Um, it's going to win an award this week. Featuring Sleepy Brown, it's number one. Finally knocking off Hey Ya, also by Outkast. They are having a year. <laughs> they are having a year. Uh, welcome to 2004. 20 years ago, other new music releases between February 9th and the 15th include uh, the self-titled debut of Franz Ferdinand. Um, man, commercial music forever. Uh, America's Sweetheart by Courtney Love. Feels like a home by Nora Jones, a lucky by Melissa Etheridge, newfound power. Uh, the only album released by Damage Plan, Dimebag Daryl's new group after leaving Pantera. R.I.P. Dimebag. Uh, Dimebag. Oh, we're gonna get to that. Why there was only one Damage mm. Plan album? God, it's an awful story. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway. pa Palatina by Paula Rubio, Probot by Dave Grohl, and the drop, the college dropout, the debut of Kanye West, which is on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums list. 
For now. Somebody <laughs> medicate that man. For now. Uh, Batman. This week, in, in the news from 20 years ago, the city of San Francisco begins issuing marriage license to same-sex couples this week. Uh, this was such an interesting time. Mm-hmm. And, and the background of this is fascinating because current governor of California, then Mayor Gavin mm-hmm. Newsom, he hears George W. Bush's State of the Union address where he lightly suggests they want to have a constitutional amendment banning gay marriage. And he's like, we need legal challenges to this shit. Massachusetts had gay marriage because of a legal challenge. And he's like, I'm going to set up a legal challenge. So he tells the city clerk, yeah, start start issuing marriage licenses to, to same-sex couples. And people swarm City Hall. And it is magical. Right. Because I, it, people, tons of people came down, ministers, rabbis, uh, people who, you know, like me who who are... Uh, you know, ordained through the Universal Life Church. So, like, people came down. <laughs> they were all over the building. And San Francisco City Hall is a spectacular interior. Mm-hmm. It is just classic. You see it in a ton of movies because it's so beautiful. And in every corner, on every balcony, there's people are just getting married left and right. 4,000 people in one month. Wow. I'm sorry. I think wow. it's 4,000 couples, including Rosie O'Donnell and her partner and Alison Bechtel and her partner. Wow. But... It's not especially legal to do this. Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger basically tells the attorney general, make him stop it. And after a month, stop there's it now. a bunch of, legal, bunch of legal wrangling. Well, Schwarzenegger's thing is, you know, most Republicans thing at the time, which is like, let the states decide. <laughs> the state you have to follow the law. <laughs> and then we will have, uh, we will make our own law that says you can't and you can't vote on it because we said so. This is actually a discussion of abortion now. But <laughs> the point was to challenge the law. So all, a, a bunch of people basically sue and say like, hey, you can't take my marriage away from me because of the 14th Amendment. I deserve equal rights under the law. And they get smooshed together into a court case. The court rules their weddings invalid. Then they go again. And yeah, basically we get gay marriage back for a bit because of the court cases of people saying like, you can't take my marriage away. I got married. It appeared to be legal. Come on. But the bad side is this freaked out the anti-gay marriage people. It freaked them out real bad. Uh, and even a lot of, uh, you know, gay activists said this is a bad idea because they're seeing their worst nightmare come true. All of a sudden, the gays are married. And they're going to release gay spores. And Just everyone's going to be gay. <laughs> and, it, it, you know, it's chaos. And we, you know, we, we got to stop this. And in four years, the state ends up voting to ban gay marriage. And then yeah. uh, the, the, the court cases end up overturning that. I think think some of them are related to this of like because we went back and forth in california with yes no yeah. yes no and then and, like and then overnight people oh, in the middle law of the land <laughs> yeah the people in the middle are just like what am i married or not what the fuck and then other states are like we'll recognize that marriage but your own state won't it was insanity but good eventually i guess came out of it by you know creating the for now court cases for now <laughs> All Supreme Court decisions are temporary. None of them are final by nature. Yep. So, yeah. And then, uh, you know, next year, I think we'll talk about 
na- the national the Supreme Court ruling on gay marriage and say like, yep. did, this, did this affect anyone? Does Alison Bechtel being married to her yeah. girlfriend? Yes, and as Does I, that affect I, you? I can't speak for everyone as a straight white man, but I can say if you are a straight man and you have an opinion on anybody's marriage, you're gay. And I hope you would advocate for your right to marry. <laughs> I think that was one thing that was smart and might have brought some people over of like seeing all these couples that have been together for so yeah. long. What the fuck? And they're just thinking of like, I just want to put a ring on it. Come yeah. on. Like, we might as well. It's not going to affect you. It's going to affect me if I have to visit her in the hospital. And it'll make it a tiny bit harder to get out of that relationship and terrify your children. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a hell of a month, though. I, I looked into like, do they need me? I can go down there. I'm a, I'm ordained. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to marry some people. Yeah, but they're like, no, we got plenty it. of ministers. But if you want to bring snacks, because there's a long line. <laughs> no rice. Um, okay. Yeah, no rice. It's bad for the birds. No rice. Uh, other, I don't even know if we need other news. It's pretty big news. But I thought it was funny, one, that AOL launches a video water cooler thing, a 40 to 60 second thing recapping the big video events of the day before. And people oh. can vote on what, what they think is the most important. And I say that it's YouTube, A, isn't out. B, companies are not officially uploading video to the internet in any significant way other than this. It's called like yeah. the water cooler and like, wow, oh, I don't I wasn't using AOL back then, but that's kind of the dawn of, can you imagine not being able to instantly re-see a scene from a pivotal scene from television uh, <laughs> 20 years ago? It happened and yeah. AOL, AOL fixed that. And uh, I, I was, it's probably boring, but Comcast this week launched a hostile bid to buy Disney. And was oh, <laughs> wow. after Disney had rejected the plans and only didn't succeed because it, I think they put up like $50 billion. Disney company's worth like $200 billion. So get, at, get, get the fuck out of here. So pulled it off the table. But yeah, trying to imagine a world where Comcast also owned Disney. Jesus Christ. Oh, no. Comcast Jeez. is responsible for me not being able to watch most of these movies this week because, like yeah. I said, my power <laughs> or my internet. My internet was out longer than my power was out. My power was out for a day and a half. And if they had their way, they'd turn your internet on and make it even harder for you to watch these movies because, boy, do they. Yeah. Oh, Dragged into the streaming world. But then, it, speaking of movies. Hypothetically, if Comcast and Disney were one corporation, they'd be worth mm. around $400 billion. Yeah. Uh, I'm still in utter shock. Comcast is still worth a dime. Cable town forever. You don't mm. make anything. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, at what point do the antitrust rules kick back in? Yeah. <laughs> that seems fucked up that seems anti-capitalistic diana we don't like that kind of talk here on this american podcast i, I want more competition not less <laughs> yeah that's what it that's that's what those laws are for i i think we, it's just so silly what is your dream little billy i want to start my own cable company i'll never <laughs> hope you can run into two billion dollars <laughs> yeah although you know people used to joke about starting a car company in the same way and tesla did it and mm-hmm. it's it's worth a fortune Yes, mm-hmm. uh, with a lot of government subsidies, thanks to yeah. California. Um, yeah. And then, uh, let's, but speaking of the movies, let's get into the movies. And by that, I mean literally two, but uh, um, kind of one biggies. Of, one of them is an art house getting a 
pretty minor release, everyone got out of the way of the one movie of the it week. Everyone, pretty which nuts. is insane. But the art house release is The Dreamers, the Bernardo Bertolucci movie with naked Michael Pick, naked Louis Garrel, and very naked Ava Green. Little Chris would have been obsessed with this movie. Yeah, it got an NC-17 rating. It's got an NC-17. It is about uh, a brother, sister, and their friend in 1968 Paris, and they are very open with nudity and sexuality and weird ways mm-hmm. and i i wanted to watch this and then i thought better of it because i do like bertolucci as a filmmaker but last tango in paris has a really bad record of treating its actress correctly mm. so that may be a little uncomfortable to watch this even though i really like eva green she's um cool and i want her to have a bigger career because she kicks so much ass yeah yeah, uh, but I guess she was okay with it. She, no, she didn't say anything bad has happened in the twenty years. She hasn't said like, "Oh yeah, actually, they did bad things." So Man, nobody crammed something yeah. up my ass without my knowledge. What a, exactly? What a go- so the, what a golden the dreamers. <laughs> yeah, if you if you want a sexy art house European movie, there you go, the dreamers. Okay, but everyone got out of the way. It's bizarre that it's not movie. the summer, everyone. but it's this is a movie you want to get the fuck out of the way for. It is. It's Valentine's yeah. Day. That's how they're advertising. Yeah, and it's but it's a follow up to. I called it the creamy center. I, Diana Adam Sandler. God damn it. Yes, but <laughs> would you? I, I, the Wedding Singer is probably one of my favorite movies of his, and I I think that's his best movie. And, as, as we're just talking, Adam Sandler comedies. We're not going to yeah. bring would it you like count uncut funny people. It. No, because I regard that as his best film. No, that's an Apatow movie. That's two movies. <laughs> and one of them is really good, and one of them I could take or leave. I do like that movie quite a bit, Jr. But I still consider that like an—it's not a movie the Sandler Factory would have put together. And, okay, and that, this what, is the Sandler Factory. This is, this the, is yeah. you know the spiritual sequel to the Wedding Singer. To the Wedding Singer, yes. and and taking a script that was a drama and turning mm. it into a comedy. Uh, Dan Aykroyd, Sean Astin, Rob Schneider, Drew Barrymore, Adam Sandler. It's 50 First Dates. Once upon a time, Henry met the girl of his dreams. And they see. Henry Roth. And they lived happily ever after. For one freaking day. <laughs> what is going on? Lucy was in a car accident. She lost her short-term memory. Don't you remember me a little? Now every day, he'll have to start from scratch. Here she comes. Love cute. Forget the girl. Why is she not slowing down? Uh-oh. Oh, no! That didn't work. 50 first dates. Rated PG-13. This is regarded as one of the good ones, Diana. I'm very fascinated to see where you you weigh in on 50 first dates, because I watched it having not felt much about it, seen it once or twice. And it's like, uh, it's one of of his least embarrassing, for sure. This is the number one movie that I did not get to watch Ah. this week that I'm very frustrated with. Because if you think I am driving out in 60 mile an hour winds in a storm for an Adam Sandler movie, even if it's one of the good ones, you are mistaken, my sir. But I know it by reputation. It's one of the better ones. But I also know it as the first one he went and shot in Hawaii. Does it need to take place in Hawaii? No. I there was a good... I think it does. Yeah, it because does. Could it be Drew San Diego? Barrymore... Could it be no, San Diego? Because okay. San Diego has seasons more than Hawaii does. Drew oh, Barrymore's really. character. No, Hawaii has seasons. It's raining and not raining. 
Right, right. <laughs> Drew Barrymore's character has to believe it's the exact same day every single day. Drew Barrymore's character Hawaii, has memento disease, which conveniently resets at night. Thank God, no tattoos required. But I, if I were, I would be definitely getting tattoos. But it, the it, implications of this. I'm reading the synopsis because that's the best I can do. Uh, yeah, there are some dis- very disturbing implications. The well, fact that if you, I just got to skip to the end. The fact that they have a kid yeah. at the end means it, for nine months she woke up pregnant and terrified. It hurts my brain to think about <laughs> bringing a kid into the situation, and the movie treats it like it's the best thing that could have happened to her. I'm not sure it's good for anyone. She could be adopted. The kid it's could true. be adopted for all, right. all we know. Yeah. Right. Who that would allow that to happen? My my family had to go through adoption. It was so hard. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, I all right. So yeah, the idea is that she was in an accident, and so her brain basically resets every day. So, but, she, but the, the scriptwriter said to create a lack of problems for her disability, a remote area like Hawaii was way better suited. If you're in a city, there's a billion fucking things to relearn every day. But if you're in a very very small town at a very very remote area of the country where everybody speaks English, it's all solved. And mm. that's it does make a little sense for it to be in Hawaii. The also, several other movies do not. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, but, I love Hawaii. I, I like Hawaii being represented. I'd rather it not be represented by Ram Schneider. <laughs> he does play a Hawaiian. He gets away with playing everything. Well, because he is half Asian, and I so know. he gets away with it. But he's not Hawaiian. He's Filipino. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean... You know, Hawaii has Asians of all over the globe on it. Yeah, it is incredible diversity. That's one of the things and I most love. Most of the about cast Hawaii. is like I love. My compliment to it is that it's sideline sidelines the Alan Coverts, the you can do it guys, and like they get like one line, and they do cast a bunch of Hawaiian uh, Hawaiian actors in it. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I still on, guys, like it. If we were movie stars and we had the option to film yes. in Hawaii, we would take it. I mean, yeah. like what they were like, what was the last movie you saw that was shot in Hawaii as Hawaii? Like it's Jurassic Park and nothing. Like yeah, why not shoot in Hawaii? And I think then they got the idea to shoot more movies there because it was a free vacation, um, paid for by the studios. God, what a good idea! Jealous is. Uh, but I. This is a recommend for me. I saw it when it first came out, and I rewatched it for the first time in almost 20 years, and it still works. It's a cute concept. You know, Adam Sandler's really afraid of commitment, and he meets a woman who he has to make fall the in love with The most commitment, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If I have to find fault in this script, and who cares, really? But, like, a guy who's commitment-phobic, it's not only a permanent girlfriend, you are given daily duties you have to do before she can even recognize you as her boyfriend. These are the things that scare people about commitment is the routine. And he he's giving himself a... But I, I'm with you, It's like, it's funny, and Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler are really fun on screen together all the time. And it's, it has funny moments. They should more movies together. They've only been in three movies together, and it should be like 10. They should be the regular default Adam Sandler couple. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree. It's just, in, in if you can separate your brain from the ethics of all this, is it cruel <laughs> to date this woman to you and her? Maybe. Don't, you're going to knock her up too? Okay. But, well, I mean, this isn't completely theoretical. I sent you guys a link mm-hmm. of uh, real life people who. No one's this exact character, right? But some of them are pretty darn close. 
some of them are, are memory is so weird. Mm-hmm. I, I think about it a lot and I'm like, how much of any given day do I remember? And then, you know, what actually sticks around? What is important? What it becomes the future me? What memories am I stuff. making this year? <laughs> and I love movies that play around with the concept of memory. And this is one of those. I do think it's a funny examination of memory and how much it plays in who we are. Yeah. And it, it, it I got to it's these moments are charming. Like the, the idea of like a never ending courtship is a decent Valentine's Day heartwarming. It's a formula for for charming. And a penguin in a Hawaiian t-shirt. Yeah. Who doesn't like that? If you had this condition, what would you want happen to you? If every day your memory got reset, what would you want your life to be? Am I allowed to live in Disneyland? Well, I mean, (laughs) I don't think so. I don't think you have the money to do that. So I don't automatically get money. You know what? If yeah. I was in Hawaii, fine. Just do it. Mm. If I have a paid for house in Hawaii, I'm all good. I, I think there would be a lot of notes around my house recommending movies that I hadn't seen before the accident. And mm. I get to experience them for the first time over and over. Mm-hmm. That, that Which is fun. a plot point in the movie. In this yeah. movie, they watch The Sixth Sense over and over <laughs> and over again because she's never seen it. And every time the ending blows her away. Yeah, it's like it depends on what age, but yeah, I could imagine it's like, no, seriously, watch Silence of the Lambs. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I spend the whole day talking about Silence of the Lambs to everyone, day in, day out. Watch the Warriors or Roger Rabbit every day. Hmm. Yeah, uh, but it, if it's new, r- it's a new experience. Yeah, from all, it just it it still does seem like a cruel thing to do to this woman at certain points in the film. Well, there's no good option for this. Woman, kind of, honestly, does she? Does she? And she clearly deserves happiness despite her disability yeah. but it it just I, you know don't even think about it like if you want a decent romantic comedy to watch this valentine's day you could do a hell of a lot worse than 51st dates i this is a recommend for me um I'll join you. if you want to go there you could absolutely overanalyze this and recut it as a horror movie mm-hmm. there's no alcohol in these drinks it helps lovely tourists such as yourself stay awake all night and have guilt-free vigorous sex with me are you staring at me or her because you're starting to freak me out settle down and eat your pancakes huh about a year ago lucy was in a terrible car accident (laughs) she lost her short-term memory so she can't remember anything her slate gets wiped clean every night while she sleeps I think he's more than my friends. You're my boyfriend, right? Yes, ma'am. Read what I wrote about you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just that's the the basic point of yeah. If he has bad intentions, this movie is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. He's just every single day. Hey, uh, you need to pay me back my thousand dollar loan. <laughs> Yeah, in sex. Uh, I, next day, hey, remember how you owe me a thousand dollars? You really yeah, do have it, to. It, it turns into memento. You have to <laughs> shut the, your modern social media savvy part of your brain off. To, but it's it it. I kept finding myself, and I was looking at old reviews and like this is this is surprisingly good, except for all the gross out, stupid Sandler stuff. I'm like, I like the gross out. I like watching a walrus barf on people. That was enjoyable <laughs> to me. So, so I, yeah, I did not. I, I totally didn't. 
I, I hate it. A part of me hated it, but I did totally enjoy it. So 50 first dates. Let's, I'll throw in a recommend with JR. We'll mm-hmm. move on to TV. TV, which, you know, none of us watch this thing, but <laughs> I think it's illegal. Nope. Lizzie McGuire uh, bids adieu um, after three, three seasons. It wasn't that long. It wasn't. A, yeah, 2001. For so, something, yeah. For something that got a wow. movie and made a star out of its star. Well, you know, it's it's about a teenage girl, and that has a limited yeah, four or amount five year of shelf filming life. time. You can, yep. yeah, yeah, very true. But uh, please tell me more about the Las Vegas episode, "Die Fast, Die Furious." So I think this is the start of Jean Claude Van Damme not taking himself seriously and being willing to become a total joke because he plays himself in this episode, which, okay, that happens. He dies, yo. (laughs) Jean-Claude Van Damme playing himself dies in this episode and the whole rest of the episode after the 15 minutes in which he plays himself and then dies is about dealing with his death. And then at the very end of the episode, there's a black screen with white text that says, no Jean-Claude Van Dams were actually injured or killed during the filming of this episode. <laughs> but uh, if you have not seen Jean-Claude Van Johnson, highly recommend it. It's an Amazon show in which he again plays himself yeah. and also plays the goofiest version of himself you could ever want, as well as <laughs> is his identical twin. Hell yeah! Nice. I've I've heard that was a a lot of fun. I did watch JCVD, which every it sounded like it was going to be a comedy, but it was actually like kind of an interesting meditation on identity and celebrity. But I also recommend it. I, I thought it was a pretty good movie. But the idea has been that, on my list to watch for yeah, a while now. That Jean Claude Van Damme as himself gets stuck in a uh, bank robbery hostage situation. And this year, we're going to talk about what I regard as his best movie by far. What? What? Sun, Better than Hard Target? Sudden no. Death came out uh, yes. a while ago. The hockey movie? Yeah. No, uh, we did not talked about Sudden Death yet. Okay. Maybe that's it. That, that must might be, be it, likes though. The most. Are we talking about no. <laughs> Not Sudden Death. Nope. I love Sudden Death. Ah, <laughs> uh, that one's so much fun. He gets to fight the penguin mascot. Speaking of penguins. <laughs> Anyway, uh, moving on, more TV. More. JR, take this, please, with Angel, Why We Fight. Uh, So Angel is a vampire. He's been around for, you know, 200 plus years uh, as a uh, human trapped in a vampire's body, but he still has a soul. It's a whole big thing. Um, So living through 200 years, he lived through World War II. Mm. And this is the episode that goes, hey. What was he doing in World War II? And the answer is uh, he gets trapped on a sub. Um, and so by dad law, I am required to enjoy all submarine dramas. I'm is- not sure that's true for the demographic of the WB back in 2004, but it was for me. This, this is raising a question I hadn't thought about. Can vampires drown? Mm. No. In fact, that's actually a big plot point in Angel. Uh, His son wants revenge on him, and instead of just killing him, he ties him up in chains and drops him into the bottom of the ocean where he can't die, but he can't move and escape. A lot of this shit happens to Wolverine, too. Weird. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, But 
this is definitely a Josh Whedon episode, mm-hmm. Josh Whedon, because uh, there's a scene where uh, one of the people on the sub is looking at Angel doing all this vampire shit, and he says something like, uh, he's like some type of superhero, like Steve Rogers or Captain America. And the other sailor hits him and says, Steve Rogers is Captain America, you idiot. Nice. But uh, And uh, there's also this scene where Angel, who is the other vampire in Angel, the television show, is Spike, Mm. is all dressed up in a Nazi uniform. Mm. Sneaky bastards, the SS. Don't ever go to a free virgin blood party. Turns out it's probably a trap. Where does the captain sit? Uh, Right there. Oh, right. Now, uh, who brings the captain his drink? You're a Nazi. What? Oh, no. I just ate one. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I guess being a vampire on a submarine gets you into a real last wedge of the Demeter situation of like, you're not going to know if someone goes missing. Yeah. Mm. Like, well, it's going to be really fucking obvious if you ate somebody. And there's no Angel way to get rid of Angel is a vampire with a soul, so he tries not to eat humans. Uh, also, but what is there to eat? Do they have rats on there? I don't know if they'd have enough. Vampires as Nazis, superior race, my ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd rather be a vampire. Uh, and then yeah. moving on to games. God, I love this. I think I did a laser time about final performances that you used to be able to squeeze out of games. And I forgot about this one. Um, maybe, well, because Sean Connery has a Bond performance that is exclusive to a game. Yeah. When he was like 70. Yeah. And I totally forgot about this. Pierce Brosnan's last appearance as Bond is in... 007 everything or nothing for ps2 <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a it, what I, i'm surprised this didn't happen more often daniel craig did some video game work before they kind of can that series but like yeah why you can make i think that at the time we can make more games than we can movies and now games have become so expensive that's no longer the case yeah True. So it, true. it, it probably I mean, we uh, won't see anything like budget this for some triple a games blows away any movie but getting uh, pierce like, brosnan to talk into a microphone you, for a day hey that's way cheap yeah <laughs> but i guarantee you gta 6 is going to have a higher budget than any movie ever made ever yeah it's it's yeah it's been in development that long by hundreds of people it has to so this is a lot closer to james bond rebooting than i realized to still have pierce brosnan 2006 is when we get casino royale so it's mm-hmm. only two years and he, he's still firmly James Bond and we got John Cleese and Judy Dench too. It's, That's pretty crazy uh, to think and, about. And yeah. Richard Keel is Jaws. What? Yeah. Yeah, it's an original Bond story and I kind of wish they'd just do an open world Bethesda style James Bond game where you don't have like this set story where you're going from beat to beat to beat but where you can just go all over and do all sorts of stuff. Like mm. you won't know what adventure is going to happen because it's it's open world. Hmm. Neat. That's pretty cool. I'm also seeing Willem Dafoe and Heidi Klum in here. I believe uh, Michael played this and got pissed off because there was a point where you drive around in a Porsche Cayenne. He's like, "This is not a James Bond car," <laughs> and I'm like, "That is absolutely not a James Bond car." Yeah, he does not a, drive. It's a SUV. divorced dad car. Yeah. Um, 
And then uh, also out this week, uh, Metroid Zero Mission for GBA Game Boy. So week. this is a remake of the original Metroid, and it blows it out of the water. Enhanced graphics, new gameplay elements, deeper exploration of Samus's origins, and it's just better. And that is something that just continues to amaze me. You know, movie remakes are almost always not yeah. as good as the original. Not a hundred percent, but often. And they're filled with video quality of life remakes? improvements. Yeah, but video games yeah. just benefit from them all together. It's insane. Yeah, and I, I, we talk about that on Video Game Apocalypse because there's there were so many high quality. Not remasters, remakes of games that were already pretty pretty playable. But it's like, oh, yeah. I, I can't give you my... I don't want to give those games my money first over new experiences, even though they're made great again. I already well, experienced I mean, Metroid that. 1 deserves to be in the top 10 NES games. But I'm going to say there's actually no reason to play Metroid 1 if you can play Metroid Zero Mission. If you can play, is it on the Switch Online? If you pay for that extra thing that I don't pay for, maybe. Uh, I think maybe. I had it as part of the Ambassador program, but it also it did also contain the original Metroid. You could unlock it in the game, uh, which we'll talk about that in a second. Unreal Two: The Awakening is out for Xbox. I feel like I can honestly say I've never played an Unreal game, never. Me either. And now it's more famous as the engine that most games are built on. They totally stopped making that game altogether. Uh, Wrath Unleashed for PlayStation 2 and Xbox. That is a name drawn out of a video game hat, if I've ever heard one. <laughs> uh, mix Unleashed. of strategy and action. Uh, you control mythical creatures and have a chess-like board that then does real-time combat. Ooh, and a game I know, one of the few handfuls of games that both me and my mother have played, Feeding Frenzy, is out for PC. <laughs> <laughs> Feed them fish. Such a maybe. simple game. Yep. You just, you know, drop your uh, line, you reel it up, and you catch fish. Mm -hmm. But I've seen this in like 23% of all bars I've been into. <laughs> <laughs> and then, mildly infuriating, but uh, I did get something amazing around here. The classic NES, NES series is released on Game Boy Advance, and that is full priced. <laughs> Not full priced, they were $20. Whereas yeah. I think Game Boy games were $30, $40. For games like and Donkey Kong Excitebike, Ice Climber, one of the most <laughs> unplayable pieces of shit in history. <laughs> Zelda, Super Mario Brothers, you can now play them on your Game Boy Advance. Even back then, I thought that took a lot of goal because there was we already had emulators, and the only thing you have going for it is we don't have portable emulators just yet. So $20. Not in 2004. I, I mean, uh, your... PC would struggle to emulate in 2004. So uh, Not an I stuff. can see the worth of this, but it should have been like four games in one. Exactly. You know? Per game. And let's remember, $20 Metroid, it comes as an unlockable in Metroid Zero Mission. <laughs> so it's free here, and here it's $20. And what I hate most, ab most about it is the best thing about it is the boxes. They're beautiful. And they're probably worth a ton because they didn't really follow up on this. But what they did do when this came out is they released a NES Game Boy SP, and that was my first Game Boy Advance, uh, my first new my first new Nintendo portable console ever. Actually, I bought a super used Game Boy, pretty beaten up uh, for eighty bucks because my parents were totally against me having portable video games. But I'm sure you've seen it. It was the best skinned any like 
Game Boy console ever. It looked like the Nintendo Entertainment System. It ruled. I still have it. I threaten to modify it every single day, but it's still it's too beautiful to break. Oh, uh, classic NES series. They would all be available for free in Animal Crossing. So you know what's going to take us out of 2004? Take Me Out by Franz Ferdinand. They My, told us to, yeah. so we're gonna. We're gonna. And it was, you've heard this in many a game commercial as well. And <laughs> played it in many a game. Uh, man, a 2000s nostalgia. I am not used to it. Maybe this is in the uh, cyberpunk anime. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, we'll close that with that. But don't go anywhere. I got one more segment when we get back. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth watching. And for the week of February 9th through 15th, Romanza is in the air. Except, well, only a little bit. Uh, let's start with six years ago this week. Saw the release of a very weird avant-garde Japanese new wave film called Women in the Dunes. Also, Woman, Woman of the Dunes, also known as Woman in the Dunes by uh, Hiroshi Teshigahara. This is a weird one. Watch this in film class and was like, I didn't know a movie could be like this because it's like impressionistic. It's about this like entomologist who's searching for beetles that live in the sand and he ends up in this village where like the sand is taking over and he meets this woman and you're not sure she's real sometimes. Maybe this whole village isn't real, but they live in sand. It has more sand than any movie. I like the quote from Roger Ebert. Is this, that's more more sand than any movie yes even lawrence of arabia but it's it, it's very dreamlike and and strange and it's one of those it's like i never heard of it before film school and I'm, I'm really glad i saw it especially on a big screen because it's very stark beautiful black and white cinematography and so yeah women in the dunes total recommend and then 70 years ago this week saw 1954 saw the release of the last of the new universal monsters 20 years ago, or 20 years after they <laughs> debuted, they finally come up with a new character, and he is the creature from the Black Lagoon. Chris, I'm tagging you in. Yeah, well, hometown boy, filmed in my hometown. It is so good. Yeah. <laughs> I it, think it may be, I, maybe number two for me behind Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, it holds up real well because it's 20 years newer than all the other classics. Yeah, but I mean, the, the special effects is like, you forget there is this guy in this suit and he's got to swim around, and you're like, how does he hold his breath long enough to breathe? And they're like in Florida lakes. They're not like on a back lot. They're in a spring, Wakulla Springs, which at the time was a big tourist destination because it was crystal blue water. There's a dead mammoth skeleton at the bottom you can see like 30 feet down. Whoa. Yeah, it's really neat. And uh, I think, uh, what was that guy's name? Johnny something. He was a Florida State swimmer, I think, and could hold his breath for a really long time. So of, of those, the things you see that you think your eyes are playing tri- tricks on you, is this really good swimmer swimming upside down for really long takes in a suit? Mm. It, it's like, how is this possible? Human, it, human feet. You're looking at a human yeah. feet. And my hometown still has annual festivals around this because not a lot of HBO's recount and something wild. No, not discounting those movies, but Creature's <laughs> the most famous by far. Yeah. And I, yeah, this one absolutely holds up. Holds up a lot better than a lot of the other original uh, the Universal Riku, Monsters. Riku Browning, his family still shows up to annual screenings. Um, wow. Yeah. 
That's that is really cool. But I mean, it's what's it about? It's uh, they're they're going to Brazil and they're looking for uh, you know evidence of maybe there's animals down there that are you know the missing link or something. Missing and, link cures to cancer, all that stuff. Yeah, you know your your usual. Well, let's find out. Also, let's bring a hot lady with us and in her little white bathing suit, and she swims around, and the creature keeps you know getting interested in her. I've never seen this in black and white because it's a. I've never seen this in 3D because it's a black and white 3D movie, mm-hmm. and I still don't quite understand how they did. That. I guess they did is something with polarized mm-hmm. lenses, like we have now. Yeah, it still comes um, on the DVD, actually, the Blu-ray. Wow, mm-hmm. I would love to see this in 3D because there are definitely shots, you know, the hands coming at you, and you're like, oh, this would have freaked people out, man. And and something for mystery science fans out there. This Island Earth not only takes a lot of the sound and music from Creature, if you don't remember Revenge of the Creature, like the whole cast of This Island Earth is in that movie too. (laughs) If you love that Mystery Science movie as much as I do. I only recently made the connection. It was awesome. They did... Did they do Return of the Creature? Return of the Creature in in SeaWorld, also shot in Florida, and then look up a picture of the creature from Return of the Creature. Oh my God, it's hilarious. It is hilarious. Yeah. Oh, well, the the sequels, the best thing about them is the poster. The poster for Creature Walks Among Us is Creature Walks really, Among Us. really good. But no, Mystery Science Theater did one of the sequels. I want to say it's Creature they Walks They did. They did Revenge, the first episode or, of the eighth season. Revenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, which is one of those where it's like, <laughs> is that Clint Eastwood? Yeah. Oh, yes. Is he going to be the star? Nope, no. he's gone. What the, what the fuck? Who's that nerd? Oh, my God, it's Clint. Yeah, so Creature from the Black Lagoon huge recommend especially for you know classic horror or thriller fans and an outstanding double feature with shape of water like you when you watch shape of water if you compare the two you understand guillermo del toro loves this movie and understands it on like a deep level and put that that love into shape of water Hell yeah. you totally watch them together yeah good for valentine's day i like it you know we can all relate sometimes i feel like a gross swamp creature and just want some love I just want to be understood. Is that so wrong? Anyway, that's it for this week. Stay classic. Don't sing if you want to live long. They have no use for your song. You're dead, you're dead, you're dead. You're dead and out of this world. Coming in with You're Dead by Norma Tanega, which uh, is forecasting... Awesome. One of the best movies that comes out in this segment from a little movie we'll talk about in a second. If you don't know what it is, yeah. you're probably not one, watching one of the best, the funniest shows on television right now. Yeah. And I I did not know the background of this song. This song is from uh, the 60s. Mm-hmm. Norma Tenega is a Filipino from the Bay Area and wrote a bunch of songs for Dusty Springfield, uh, who was her girlfriend for five years. No. Oh. Which is pretty cool. And so I've listened to a lot of the rest of this album, which is called uh, Walking My Cat Named Dog. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's really charming. I, I had no idea it was it, it was that far back. Me neither. Especially, it's probably the oldest song to ever bring us into 2014, 10 years ago. Yep. Uh, but it's, I think it's appropriate. I love the song. Mm-hmm. You're Dead and Out of This World should be on every t-shirt. I want a bumper sticker that says this. New releases uh, from 10 years ago, February 9th to the 15th, include the self-titled debut of Crosses. Uh, the Outsiders by Eric Church. More, a lot of religious symmetry here. Benji by Sun Kill Moon. Uh, School Love Affair, the second EP by BTS. And uh, 
Hotel Valentine by Chibumato and Peroxide by Nina Nesbitt. Dark Horse by Katy Perry featuring Juicy J is still number one. Her last number one hit ever. That's crazy. Oh. As we were saying, on or off mic, I can't remember. We st- Some of us still think of Katy Perry as a new musician. Oh, whoops. <laughs> I do. I totally think of her. She coexisted yeah, that, with that Taylor movie. Swift, and that's all people talk about. Come yeah, on. exactly. Uh, and then a lot of news to bring you in here. Uh, former New-, new Orleans Mayor Ray Nagin is found guilty of corruption charges and sentenced to 10 years in prison. Okay, I... Was I remember that this happened? I did not realize that <clears throat> as it's such a stereotype of oh, New Orleans is such a corrupt kind of city, and that he's the first mayor that's actually been charged and found guilty <laughs> of anything yeah. of yeah, corruption while he was in office. Because uh, y- you remember him because he was the mayor when Katrina hit and he promised to rebuild New Orleans as a chocolate New Orleans, and um, he did a whole bunch of shady shit with giving out those rebuilding contracts. Mm. Yeah, this is one of those things where there's no real like, well, there's two sides to this story. No, he he was, I would like, have you met my friend, Mr. Bribe? (laughs) Wink, wink, wink. Yeah. But no, he did his time. They let him out uh, because of COVID. Because, you know, they wanted to reduce the prison population. So he's out now. Good. Um, Still promising chocolate New Orleans. And so many people took that the wrong way. <laughs> I mean, he said a lot of other stupid shit, but chocolate city. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing. Uh, I think it was a YTMND of uh, you know Homer skipping through the the chocolate land <laughs> <laughs> playing over. Oh no! <laughs> like, no, uh, you're not going to build literally a chocolate New Orleans. Um, and then also this week, Intel entrepreneur and co-founder of the X Prize Foundation. Peter uh, Demandis claims that 50% of U.S. jobs will be mechanized within 10 years. <sighs> yeah. <clears throat> yes. Mm. Uh, if you haven't heard yeah, our Patreon-exclusive podcast, I 70% of the professional work I've done in my life could be done by AI next year. So, mm. yeah. And I thought, I, thought I was in one of those, like, uh, robot-proof careers. No, not so. Yeah. It, it's usually a mistake to make a prediction for 10 years from now especially with something so specific as 50 percent of u.s jobs that's that's very easily checkable mm-hmm. yeah. oh we'll get to talk about uh, one of those jobs later in the show in the movie segment uh and then mm-hmm. elliot page uh then presenting as a woman comes out as gay in a speech at the human rights campaign's time to thrive conference Good for yeah, him. Good for him. And then uh, yeah. Adam Brody and uh, Leighton Mester, Mary, they're still together? I don't know. I've never they even heard are. of them. Yes, the OC and the Gossip Girl. Ah. They're together. Oh. That's so nice. Well, that's a, that's a lovely. Uh, 2014 mm-hmm. movies, the Lego movie is still number one of the box office. And I de- definitely didn't see the next movie in theaters, but it is a 2014 movie I've probably seen the most in my life because uh, numerous family members love it numerous people I've dated love it everybody loves what we do in the shadows Jermaine Clement Taika Waititi Corey Gonzalez Ma- Mosser Ma- Johnny Brahm and a little appearance by uh, oh I forgot Murray Murray's in this werewolves oh, not swear yeah Reese Darby Reese Darby that guy uh, what we do in the shadows just at, right when I thought I was done with not I can't be bowled over by the mockumentary format Throw something beautiful and unbelievable in there, like following ancient vampires <laughs> throughout throughout their day. Just amazing. An amazing film. I watched it right after we teased it in the last episode. I caught up with uh, some of the new season of the show. What a wonderful gift that keeps on giving. 
it, it's so much fun. This is kind of it's not takeaway td's first movie but this is definitely the the one that gets the most attention and puts them on to the path of just making cool shit for weird people that somehow makes a bunch of money also because yeah just all right something about the day-to-day of vampires is fun but the fact that it's it's really just about having shitty roommates yeah we have, like, we have a, you're not being you're not abiding by the chore of you yeah <laughs> and, and the idea of like I think one of my favorite things that I'd somehow forgotten about was just the idea of like, what if you make a new friend and you don't really like them, but they have a friend they bring along all the time that you think is really cool. Mm. And it's like, you kind of can't have one without the other. Like they just want to hang out with Stu, but they, they can't because Stu only comes when this other guy is invited. And they don't really Stu like him. Stu just steals the show by doing almost absolutely nothing, but everyone just fawns all over him and loves him no matter who they are. And it's Stu is so great. But there is something just so hilarious about evil people who take them 100% seriously but are just stupid. You know, yeah. that is a comedic gold mine yeah. from uh Dr. Frank and TV's for Dr. Forrester and TV's Frank mm-hmm. to this one. Yeah, it's just e- evil like, went, but uh, evil but still lazy and narcissistic and yes, <laughs> wonderful. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. And it's just it's got so many goofy things, you know, where they've got the the old guy is the Nosferatu looking guy who lives in the basement, Peter, and they're like, Well, he's eight thousand years old, so he doesn't talk so much. <laughs> like eight thousand years old. Yeah. And he gets killed by a vampire hunter. And the way that the vampire hunter finds them is that the newly turned vampire just goes around telling everyone, I'm a vampire. And he runs into a guy on the street who says, I'm a vampire hunter. Yeah, that's a good one. Wait a minute. Wait, is this a a table leg that he's sharpened? Oh, shit. (laughs) He really was. Oh, God. Yeah, it's just so, so silly. And the show, I got it wrong. It's five seasons in a movie, but they have said that they've been renewed for the sixth season that will be the last one of the best adaptations of a I, movie to a tv show i was thoroughly aff- they're rebooting the show without the cast why fucking buy matt barry what matt barry. uh and then and then i to anybody who felt like me and hasn't checked up the show it is so the most awesome thing about it is that it's just a continuation of the movie and those vampires appear not regularly but occasionally in the show it's just it's kind of an awesome thing to do there. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just the idea of like, yeah, well this, the film is about these vampires that happen to live in New Zealand and they talk about how they got to New Zealand of all places. And then the TV show just takes place at the same time where they live in Staten Island, which is even more boring. <laughs> just, but I love that they live in such a suburban bland place. Yeah. Kava Novak, uh, Matt Berry, Natasha Dimitro, Harvey Guillen, Mark Prosh, Colin Robinson, Colin is probably Robinson. the the best addition to to this idea. Obsessed of, with Nandor. A, yeah, this this psychic vampire who just bores you to tears. And, and so both, that's the, how he gets off. This in in this movie and especially more so the show, they pull off some pretty incredible special effects, like yeah. more special yeah. than I see in a lot of other shows. And it, it's just made all the harder because it's shot with a handheld documentary camera. So when they do something like full body replacement and motion capture, it's way more impressive than in other shows. It just always astounds me. And I I think I have to imagine 
what we do in the shadows of the movie is the lowest grossing movie ever to have two television shows based off of it. <laughs> like, oh, be? that's true. There's uh, what Wellington Paranormal. Wellington Paranormal. I, I've watched some of. I need to go yeah, back to because I, like I really enjoyed that too. Of yeah, spinning off. You know, there's times where the cops show up and try to figure out what's going on, and they just you know hypnotize them to be like, oh yeah, no, that guy's flying over there. That's fine. <laughs> yes. But you really do need a smoke alarm in this room. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I shouldn't have watched so much of the show. I'm just clouded with memories of the show now. Oh, but uh, just just a, they, a treat. They go together, right? And why we all fell in love with Taika Waititi. I was reading something like everyone's turned on Taika Waititi. I'm like have they or just waiting for him to do something else like so what the thor 4 wasn't awesome it wasn't that awesome it's still fun i love taika watiti good guy um so so fun but uh yeah i mean that's 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 my recommend of the week because this is one of the only ones i watch that i like but yeah yeah, they, they go together really nicely you can do one you can do both yeah, you Man, don't need big, to watch the big, show to understand the movie or vice versa. Yeah, Big recommend, listeners. I hadn't watched it until this week, and uh, I'd heard about it, and it was always on my, oh, yeah, I hear that's funny. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. And I, I'm kicking myself I didn't watch it 10 years ago. It's really, really enjoyable. Yeah, yeah I, saw, I saw it once and liked it, and then I would, like, go to people's houses over the holidays and, like, have you seen this fucking movie? Like, yeah. And like it's fucking amazing. Like it was all right, and like through, it was like one of those movies everybody couldn't wait to show me because they assume no one's heard, no, no one's heard of it. And I kept <laughs> rewatching it like that. My whole family loves it. It's that's also strange. Yeah, what we do in the shadows guaranteed to please uh, anyone yeah. listening to this show. Uh, the poor familiar. I never really thought about familiars as being like abused girlfriends. Yes, <laughs> they're just like go go clean that up. Yeah, no, I'll make you mm-hmm. a vampire later. No, I'm not actually listening to your problems. Anyway, could you do this for me? Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, okay. And then anyway, so many movies. <sighs> uh, date and Switch. What the fuck? Who cares? Um, <laughs> date and Switch is no. a movie that came out. No, uh, I mean it's, it's like a sex comedy about two bros, but then one of them is gay, but they have a there's they have a crush on a girl, but he's gay, but not, and they cope, they deal. Most of the reviews were like, eh. I like Dakota Johnson. Maybe she will be in other stuff. Someday. Even though she's a nepo baby. You got your wish with Madam Webb, the movie nobody wanted. Uh, no one asked for that. Uh, Dayton Switch also, unlike Kim Basinger and Alec Baldwin, features Megan Mullally and Nick Offerman in their 7,000th appearance together in a film. <laughs> they are in everything together. Yeah. That's a couple right. that loves to act together. All right, let's talk about a movie I watched probably nine years ago. Okay, let's talk about a movie I, that like I was playing video games and like, what's next on the list? Blah, blah, blah. I don't know anything about this. And from the first fucking second, what the fuck is this? Yes, what the exactly. fuck is this? I remember seeing this trailer a bunch of times and being like, I don't know what this is, but I don't care. And then I listened to, I think it was How Did This Get Made covered it. And I got about five minutes into that episode. I'm like, stop, let's go find this movie. I need to see this with my own eyes. This is the one I described last week, and Jr. said you're making that up, and I said no, I'm not. Uh, Jr., did you end up watching it? I did watch it, and my <laughs> whole attitude the entire time was, "What the fuck is this bullshit?" Yes. And then I did a little mental switch because I realized that this was going uh, for magical realism, mm-hmm. where okay, a lot of the 
well, movies and TV shows we like. Magic is basically a science. If you do X, you get Y. Uh, there's a reason. There's a logic. There's a system to it. This is just weird shit. This is just weird shit happens, yo. And and the, here's I'll, I'll get in the weirdest thing in a second. Well, the weirdest thing ever. What the fuck is this? And I look this up. I'm like, I read this. This this is not how did I, I'm not recognizing this thing that I actually read and <laughs> in this thing I'm randomly watching. Ava Marie Saint, William Hurt, Will Smith, Jennifer Connelly, Jessica Brown, Finn, uh, Finlay, uh, Russell Crowe, and Colin Farrell in Winter's Tale. We only just met. I feel like I've known her for a thousand years. Are you aware of her condition? She's dying. I've been blocking in souls and crushing miracles for longer than I can remember. <laughs> You'll not be saving her. Beverly! <laughs> no! I need to stop this one! Why keep me alive for hundred years? Maybe there's something you are still meant to do. Winter's Tale. Woo! So I called it a remake. Maybe that's unfair. There's been a silent movie, a TV movie in England, and now this for William Shakespeare's A Winter's Tale. It's not that Winter's Tale. It's not? Okay, no one no. Re- didn't recognize it. No, it's not that Winter's Tale. <laughs> Thank fuck. That's why... I, I, uh, okay, then color me an idiot, but still. All right. There is A Winter's Tale. There is The Winter's Tale. There is In the Bleak Midwinter. Those are different. This is based on a book from the 80s written by a guy who's like in a bunch of conservative think tanks now. (laughs) And they kicked around making it. And at one point, they tried to get Martin Scorsese involved. He read it and said, this is unfilmable. But you know who's so much smarter about filmmaking than Martin Scorsese? (laughs) The guy that wrote Batman and Robin. (laughs) <laughs> this is so he's taking it on writing and directing and not and to be cliched yes. it just like it is i haven't really got it like how the fuck did this get made this is terrible uh, did, I, yeah, <laughs> what is no, this like jerry was saying this is magical realism which is already like hard to get the mood right for something to magically happen but it's also like grounded in in our reality yeah but and colin farrell also, using his native accent it's also fucking He's using his native accent where they explain that his parents abandoned him as a baby. (laughs) His Irish parents. Why does he still have an Irish accent if he was raised in New York City? (laughs) Why is the dog a horse and a dog and a horse and a dog and a horse and a dog? (laughs) And flying horse. Don't forget, sometimes he flies. How? How? I don't... Why is Will Smith showing up in turn of the 20th century New York as the devil wearing a Jimi Hendrix t-shirt. <laughs> this is Well, he actually explains that to us. Oh, does he? Denied. This one is too personal. Your prohibition from the Northern Territories is upheld. Lucifer! I need to stop this one! No! Now, you have no idea what now is. Now I was flying. Now I breathed fire and I ate them as they fled. Now I whipped my tail and the winds trembled. Now I am hidden in this pale shade of flesh and bone. Now I am witness to man's eternal salvation. Now I am witness to his demise. Do not 
Sphinx in the of time, demon. Its simplest ebbs and turns elude your meager understanding. Find another way. Good fucking lord. What other movie does Will Smith show up an hour into and then become the devil? So this movie may be the best now that I think about it. Yeah, and Russell Crowe there is a demon who is also a gangster who is like not allowed to leave the five boroughs. And so he just asks, he, he summons the devil to be like, hey, that guy went upstate. Can I go kill him? He's <laughs> like, and that's your fucking response. What the fuck is this? How did this happen? This is so thoroughly unenjoyable and ridiculous. It, I don't I don't even know. If, I, does that mean it's a recommend? Because I didn't even get all the no, way through it. No, I was like, it's not interesting enough to recommend, honestly. Yeah, that's that's where I was at. Like, this already was boring and had no hooks, and this desperate plea for a hook is terrible. <laughs> terrible. It's, it's so overwrought, and, like, I guess I give it credit that it, it feels very um, unironic. It is, it's wearing its heart on its sleeve and is really believing in magic and romance in an uncynical way okay but it's gobbledygook it's and i don't appreciate them bringing in 89 year old eva marie saint who (laughs) this is her last film she's still with us but this made her quit fucking forever wow also i i really hope she i didn't realize she was about to turn 100 in a couple months holy shit well, yeah. Did she actually quit because of this movie, or was it just the fact that she was you know, ninety makes you quit. years old? Yeah, uh, I I don't know, but this is the last okay. film that she's made. So uh, let's all go watch North by Northwest <laughs> and not talk about Jesus. any version of. She's Winter still Stella. alive. Wow, ninety nine years young as of right now. July fourth is her birthday. She turns a hundred on July fourth. And I had I had this on an iPad. What a dull looking like. My brightness cannot go any higher. <laughs> Get a light in here. What the fuck are we doing? What are we doing? Again, where did this come from? What check did... What, Akiva, what's his name? Uh, Akiva Goldman. Akiva Goldman. Yeah. What, how did he get the right to do something like this and pull all these people in? I don't know. This is I, it is one of those, like, I, what movie did you think you were making? And could I see that one instead? Because this this sucks. But it does have enough moments of just, like, yeah, he- head scratching. What the fuck is, what, ha- who, why, what, huh? That's, like, it's almost a recommend as a good, bad movie. Because we don't have mm. this kind of weirdness anymore. Yeah, even 10 Big years ago, a Warner Brothers movie cannot get this bad cannot get this weird like and get through the system like uh, nowadays i don't even think this this a movie on this level would have been shown because like how do you expect people to go see pay money to see this this is unbelievable i can't recommend it though no. it's it's not even it's not even at that level worth no. recommend honestly no i i can't it's the kind of thing where it's like go to youtube and find someone making fun of it for 20 minutes and you get yeah. the best of yeah and it's still yeah. almost too dull to even get that out of it uh it's oh god damn yeah. it god damn winter's it tale. moving on winter's tale is what that movie is called not oh a, a winter's tale i'm a silly asshole um yep oh but hey now let's talk remakes so many remakes yes three many, remakes, many remakes all on the same fucking week yes three is this three remakes the same week three. holy shit 
uh, Robert Patrick, Jolie Richardson, Bruce Greenwood, uh, Gabrielle Wild, Gabrielle Wild, and Alex uh, Pettifer. Endless love, endless yep. love. That's this mm. is a remake of a Brooke Shields movie back and from the book about young people uh, and discovering love and discovering sex and their parents don't like it but they're so in love and this is a melodrama you know it's, it's a melodrama best thing to come out of it is the song back in the day blech blech and uh... yeah i got uh, it's another one it's like i got nothing to say about this i i understand why they did it every you know couple of years teens need a solid melodrama but well who who among us saw the next remake I did. Fuck okay, no. so this I, is... I was going to watch another one I was going to watch for the show, but if again, I'm not driving through a storm to find an open Starbucks <laughs> with internet to do this to myself. To sit down and like, why are you watching this? Because this is, I think it's still a failure, but it's fascinating because this should be remade forever. And it's it's perfect sci-fi that deserves to be revisited every couple of generations. And it succeeds in some of that, in a great cast, everybody's awesome. Jay Burchell, Jennifer Ale, uh, Michael K. Williams, R.I.P., Jackie Ooh. Earl Haley, Abby Cornish, Samuel L. Jackson, Michael Keaton, Gary Oldman, and Joel Kinnaman in the remake fourth version of RoboCop. Time to wake him up. Where am I? You were in an explosion. We're here to make you whole again. So glad that line was in the trailer. Jesus. Uh, this movie uh, is just like so much almost. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, similar to our Robocop 3 discussion. RoboCop is a franchise. It's an IP that it has only one great thing to ever come out of. It. Mm-hmm. RoboCop yeah. one is great. No ifs and might be the best so movie ever. Everything made. else, not kidding, has an asterisk. That pattern holds for this remake. It's not as bad as I thought. No, I was going in thinking it was going to be a really bad remake. They're trying some interesting things. Yeah. I actually really loved the corporate villains because yeah. they're not mustache twirling. Oh, they're Elon Musk. Yeah, it's a realistic process of, okay, we don't want to break the law, but we also want to make a lot of money. So how can we technically not break the law? How can we change the law? break the law in a way that our lawyers can tie it up for five years? Yes. Mm. So what did did he say? Uh, It's it's not a machine. It's a man in a machine. Uh, mm-hmm. with this, so yeah. because the the whole thrust of the movie listeners is that uh drone police forces are common all across the world except for america well in, in wartime situations <laughs> yeah in wartime well, except situations. for the american home front yes uh, where the american uh machines uh, have been states. banned the i'd buy that for a dollar guy is sam jackson who gets like an entire character which i also love mm-hmm. That, what a great narrator. Yeah, but again, it's that almost thing. Yeah. They needed to do more. Yeah, the he's not in the movie enough. original RoboCop, we got so many viewpoints into this dystopian world. And the only viewpoint into this dystopian world we get other than RoboCop is a guy who would be, you know, the most level-headed Fox anchor yes. on the television today. 
<laughs> he reminded me of the uh, guy from V for Vendetta. And it'd be like, Godlessness. Godlessness. It, England nah. prevails. <laughs> but see, I, I would have loved like commercials from this world. Uh, alternative yeah, yeah, viewpoints that would, from that this world. That would have really enhanced you... stuff. It, it would have. That, that you would have learned so much more through the commercials. That's why Verhoeven's a fucking genius and does it in most yeah. of his movies. It's just, I, the thing that I loved, because I, I hadn't watched RoboCop for a pretty long time until we wa- talked about it. Uh, when we were talking about the films in 1987, way back in the day. And it plays so much better now yeah. as an 80s throwback than it did in 1987 because the the, the satire is very pointed towards um, the corporatization the Fascist cor- corporatization. Yeah. And, that the, the, you know, that... Uh, and also, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, privatization. Mm-hmm. The idea of privatizing things that are in the public good and making it a for-profit model. That is a huge part of the original RoboCop. And it's like, cause that's a big thing that was happening in the eighties. Reagan was fucking us. What is the hook that we can grab in 2014? That is an issue now surveillance state, maybe like what well, are they was, doing something different with what, what is the thing they're satirizing? That's, that's part of the problem of the movie. It presents all these really cool sci-fi conundrums, like very early on, like mechanized mm-hmm. warfare, is like how do we take the loss of life out of parenthetical our loss of life and can we bring that from through the private sector into policing our streets and then into like it's so bizarre like uh, it, is he doing this now we're just shooting him full of a drug that makes him think he's doing this he the machine right. is doing this he, I wanted to bring that up because they they play around with free will and consciousness, yeah. but they don't really explore it. In I rewound that, that it three times. Where, I'm like the movie doesn't ever go into this again. But this is no, a fascinating ethical conundrum that it's presenting here. That RoboCop isn't doing what he thinks he's doing. He's being made to think he's doing what he's doing, so they can slip this through. They, they they're trying to get lobbyists to change uh, laws which ban cyborgs. It's 2028. Who can imagine a future that rich? But mm. <laughs> but they're, they're, they're sneaking a human corpse in, like what's left of a corpse in as a uh, loophole in order to get this mm-hmm. thing on the street. And then it just becomes... was a brilliant... So did I. A like, brilliant conceit. You, you're watching the first half of this movie, like even like the part of my brain like, you should never remake RoboCop. His prototype costume is a beautifully updated version of the original. Very cool. Before it gets to the stupid as fuck black version of the costume <laughs> just just throwing that out there for any uh fascist elon musky types out there maybe like stark wartime colors aren't the best thing for your mechanized police choose like a light red how about that make them recognizable they're not going to complain they're robots <laughs> yellow yellow make it yellow and yeah. visible yeah <laughs> yes and then we'll find out later in the movie they can change color whenever they want to be more menacing something like that instead this becomes like a, a, a RoboCop wants to solve his own murder movie, and it it has the opportunity to play with the come on the level of violence in RoboCop mm. is pretty cornerstone to what makes that movie special. Mm. And how do you PG thirteen it? God oh. damn it! Yeah, yeah it, it like it just pulls boring CG explosions without any real body count. But that was sort of the fucking point: the lack of humanity in how these robots murder. They are 
and they talk about they talk about these themes so richly, and they don't deliver on them in any way. So I, yeah, maybe there's a really good version, the R-rated version out there, because this has like a lot of the ingredients I think that go into making a fascinating RoboCop remake. Because it's the kind of sci-fi story that deserves to be remade as, as technology changes, and they almost had it. I don't know what happened. I mean, mm. obviously, you sort of know what happened. At the end of the day, this needs to be like a crowd-pleasy PG-13 movie, and they some punches were pulled. But yeah, I don't, I don't genuinely know if there's a better cut out there. I just, I want someone to try again. It's been ten years. Uh, RoboCop mm. could, I mean, especially with the whole AI angle. The, the idea that, that, like, yeah, there you go. In a surveillance state, this RoboCop, the internet didn't exist when RoboCop was out, but now he has access to decades of body cam footage, surve- surveillance footage, uh, files. Like, anywhere he goes, he is instantly, his brain is one with that kind of database. Uh, shit. And I think we talked about that a little while ago. We There's very little sci fi that deals with robots in a human form because I think that's just something we don't uh, we saw we saw, there was uh, Ex Machina was a good example of that Ooh. but that like wasn't an action movie that was an examine right. on uh, examination of the human condition and blah 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 this movie has those ingredients and just sort of abandons them and mm, yeah. and but yeah like as from what we know now if your job is going to be replaced, it will never be by a thing that looks like a fucking human. Boston Dynamics robots don't look like humans. Uh, most of this shit is being automated in the cloud somewhere, so it doesn't even have a, an anthropomorphic shape. But shit, it's a it's a valiant effort, and I want to applaud them somewhat. But it just it still turns out to be a bad movie in the end, and that sort of sucks. Yeah, yeah. But fascinating to think about and talk about and wish about. I've never wished for like another remake of a perfect already perfect thing but robocop deserves it's a concept that should be revisited with more violence mm. Mm. don't cut your yeah. corners mm-hmm. there. Don't mm-hmm. your corners there. and um, what, right. do you, what did you think jr not recommended bad good uh, it's borderline recommend um if you're a big fan of robocop it's better than two or three yeah okay Okay. Yeah. Remember, there's a game out there right now I haven't played yet that people are loving. Haven't so. played it either, so maybe oh. maybe good. Here's here's a real fucking weird one that I didn't get to watch all of, but I decided to give it a shot, even though I normally don't. I think I'd yep. made the case like a uh, who. What data do we have that black audiences really loved puffy '80s movies, <laughs> and how? <laughs> why do we keep remaking these things? This next movie. I watched all the time for boobies because it would run on Encore, Demi Moore. Oh, uh, the original. The original, right. the original yeah. I would watch all the time, and I was too young to feel anything. And I've, <laughs> what, I decided to pop on the remake, and I'm a little older than these people, but I get what's happening more. So I strangely fucking love this. <laughs> uh, okay. Adam Rodriguez, Paula Patton, uh, Christopher McDonald, Joy Bryant, uh, Regina Hall, Michael Early, and Kevin Hart in About Last Night. Hello, sweetie. I'm top. Okay. Lesbian. I don't think so. It's all you think about. Beautiful women. Talking dirty. Sex. Were your legs up around your... Obviously. I'm like, finish yoga so we can do it again. Until you find out. Kevin is interested in procuring an animal for us to domesticate. Mm-hmm. Why is she too busy domesticating you? Ah! 
what it's all about. Are you asking me out? What do you think of it? Am I your girlfriend? Oh, my. Damn! That's my ear! Are you going to stop? About last night. About last night. David Mamet, is he involved in this? Um, this is, yes, or based on the play uh, Sexual Perversity in Chicago, which then became the movie about last night in the 80s, and then it becomes the, uh, yeah, we get the, the modern black remake, which uh, doesn't take place in Chicago, though. That is my, one, my, my number one thing. This is based on a play called Sexual Perversity in Chicago. How dare a David Mamet thing not take place in Chicago? It's very, well, this very is specific. the most unmamity mamity thing I've ever oh, seen. It's, it's been so purple monkey dishwashered <laughs> from yeah. the original Mamet. But, but it turns out, like, I'm not I was these guys' age. I was dating in that period, and I found them to be more relatable than what was that fucking Zac Efron movie we watched recently? Oh, that awkward moment. Yeah, they're they're insensitive and you know a little sexist, but not that you know like ten years ago kind of sexist. Like they're not pigs. They're not assholes. They're just motivated by different things. It's very. I thought every character was pretty fucking relatable in this yeah. <laughs> this movie. It was kind of astonishing. I mean, they- this is the thing is, I, yeah, I, I've seen the yeah Demi Moore, Jim Belushi <laughs> last night. Uh, uh, Rob Lowe? Is it Rob Lowe with that? Yeah, yeah. Rob Lowe. Um, yeah, yeah, I saw that, you know, a while back. And, like, I, I really enjoyed it because it is very 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really like, here, listen to this song on my walk, man. Yeah, Rob Lowe's hair might have never been more 80s than in that movie. Yeah. And then and and seeing like, okay, well, how did what did this change from the play to this? And then seeing that this changed even more besides moving it to Los Angeles. Uh, But and also it's, you know, it's a largely black cast, but it's like they're never going to get into it. I mean, that's it's not about race. It's we're making a rom-com with for largely black audience. And it crossed over really well. And like it's like they took all the good parts from like both the things and then they just sort of put them in here and like. I didn't finish it. I'm <laughs> halfway through. Um, again, I didn't get to watch most of the movies I wanted to watch this week. And having just watched another Kevin Hart movie, having just watched Ride Along, I was like, I like this Kevin Hart yeah. so much better, even though he's kind of the same guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I watched the whole thing. I did like it. It is a recommend for me. Um, I do like the fact that it's a black movie that is not about race. Is yeah. race a part of the black experience? Of course it is. Is it the only thing that black movies can explore? No, but so often that's all we get. So it's really good to have, no, these are just black people living their lives. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's the same as you get with, uh, you know, Think Like a Man or Best Man's Holiday or stuff like that. It's like, yeah, this is, it, and it crosses over because it's, it's a rom-com in the end. It's it's just looking at the different kinds of relationships and the different kinds of problems they have. And that shit is universal because dating is stupid and weird. Or if you've ever been a person yeah. who didn't want to be in a relationship and end up in one anyway. Like, that's happened to me. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and That has never happened to me. How does that happen? <laughs> how, how do you be like, I don't want to be a relationship. Whoops. I slipped and fell into the relationship. It happened pool. to me, man. It, like, a, like it, sometimes it doesn't take necessarily a, a there was for on my part there was a pursuit actively by the other one despite my wishes but then like you go get older you settle down you have a bad experience somewhere or like i don't want to i actually don't want to lose i like this more i like this more than i like this other stuff you do get there and yeah. and and I, I i felt like i was all the characters in here which is just like totally not what i expected at all for a, a movie i 
a remake of a movie I'd seen dozens of times and feel nothing for. Nothing. So, yeah, fucking Valiant. You know, it's about, like, dating in the big city. You know, it's like watching Sex in the City when you're 10. It's it's not going to make much sense. Yeah, but, like, I do do remember it was, like, one of the first movies. It was, like, 86, the first movies I saw that sort of humanized what bars are for for single people like uh, mm. everybody wants to go out and get laid like usually bars were just like a setting like you watch mm-hmm. Cheers and no one ever gets drunk and here the characters get drunk completely fucking mm-hmm. hammered which is just like uh, yeah they did that in the previous movie I love it uh, yeah I had a much better time with about last night than I ever thought I was going to yep uh, I'm gonna finish it now now that so, my internet is back yeah yeah because yeah i was enjoying it and i was really waiting for like all right when's the part where like the killjoy feminist in me bubbles up and i'm like how dare you movie and it it hadn't happened yet yeah (laughs) yeah the the guys are piggish but like not too piggish likably piggish yeah Yeah. Um, well and also i kind of got the impression like they're sort of putting on their piggishness for their boys yes part of it is hassling his friend so like you're making my relationship hard on me. Please stop doing that. And like, <laughs> yeah, very human thing to say. Uh, it, it took me like, you know, the first 20 years of my life to figure out how to tell a friend of mine that in an appropriate manner, rather than call him pussy whipped or something, yeah. some <laughs> shitty thing like that. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Tra- uh, we can move on to TV now. Uh, 2014. 2014 TV, uh, February 9th to the 15th. What an occasion. On the 50th anniversary of the Beatles' debut performance of the Ed Sullivan Show, uh, CBS marked the occasion with a concert special featuring performance by then-modern-day artists, still kinda, uh, Katy Perry and Maroon 5, and an interview with uh, Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr. Then-surviving members of the Beatles, because I know something's going to happen before we get this up. No! Who's it going to be? I mean... uh... You want it to be Ringo. I know you do, but you need Ringo in the world. No, I, I actually like Ringo. He's pretty Ringo. gear, pretty gear. And yeah, <laughs> but yeah, the, but I, yeah, yeah. This is just you know, you can call it a jerk off celebration because it's hey, remember when we did that awesome thing? Well, I mean, it, it's, look at us again. The stratification of pop music means like what network television doesn't fuck around with prolonged musical performances. Of almost any kind. That's really more like an HBO thing. You're, I think we're right. lucky. Like, I think if I pitched a talk show today, I would delete the musical guests from the program. Like, just because that's yeah. You put it at the end. That's where I don't everybody even dips know at how anyway. common those are these days anymore. But uh, we'll never have another Beatles. Yeah, never ever. It's ever. impossible. No. Never. I I would love. Excuse me. I I would love to know what the ratings were on this. Uh, I don't really want to take the time to look it up though because the original broadcast 60% of TVs that were on in America <laughs> were watching the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Holy shit. 73 million viewers. It's just so, so hard to yeah. even quantify that nowadays given that like I, the three of us will obsess over shows you find out later like that had like 40,000 viewers on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah it's Cost two million dollars. The stratification anyway. of the viewing population is complete in our current year. It is just if you're on Hulu and I'm on Netflix, there's going to be shows you watch that I will never see. Yeah, even even my my dad and my lady didn't want to watch the Grammys, but 
wanted to look up the results afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and it's crazy. Uh, 14 million viewers, by the way, Diana. That's not, oh. none too shabby. As compared to the 59 million viewers wow. of the original. Wow. You know, that's I like saw, half I... the population. Yeah, I saw it more like 76 million. But yeah, okay. Wow. 14 million is actually not bad for just a special in February. And yeah, one of the... I mean, networks would give their right not to have 14 million <laughs> viewers on anything that's not the Super Bowl today. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my cool. Lord. Yeah, if I'm not, mm. I, I, thought, I thought I was looking into, like, you know, the stuff, Simpsons, Family Guy, like, those aren't huge ratings winners, but their money is so lucrative in syndication, it's in their best interest to keep them on, despite pulling in relatively low numbers on a Sunday night. Anyway, uh, but part of that reason why is one of our next things, True Detective, the episode Who Goes There. Uh, oh yeah yeah this is the gunfight scene and oh. it was such an amazing decision to have it be one take it's, you know a tracking shot just make this real hard for ourselves you... <laughs> yeah oh yeah it's it's horrible it's god awful i mean most shots are much shorter than that because it's easier but if you're going for like an action shot that lasts like four minutes and you're tracking the characters your Dude. crew's gonna curse and hate you but is, the audience uh yeah it is six minutes and it involves going through multiple buildings cars have to come in cars have to leave they gotta hit marks six freaking minutes that's why when they finally announced that uh carrie joji fukunawa was or fukunaga was gonna direct a bond movie i was like do it in one shot bitch come yeah. on <laughs> i think it's come on. to be fair i think it's two shots put together but right. I think they they were trying to get it in one take. But like yeah. to its credit, I remember I'm watching this with my roommate and his girlfriend, and I think one other person because we already love the show. We're already in, and like this whole sequence, everybody is silent and on the edge of their seat. It's fucking tense as hell. And then it just something just clicked with me, and like I think that was one take. And they're like, "No, what? Yeah. No, what?" No, and then like we ha we went back and watched it over again, just to make like holy shit. And then we went back and watched it again. I hope we have moments in the future. I hope it's not a youth thing, and I hope I have moments like that in my TV future. I can't believe what I just saw. Let me see that again. Yeah, yeah. I remember well, I, it, us watching it. Michael was the same way. We got just to the end of the shot. Michael's like, "Has this been one take?" Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah." That you, <laughs> that you, the, the scene is so well done. You don't recognize that for five minutes, but that's why your gaze hasn't moved because the camera right. hasn't stopped rolling. Well, it puts you in the frame yeah. of the characters. You don't get any breaks from reality uh, that you're experiencing. You know, you are seeing what the characters are seeing because, you know, and when I'm walking down the street, it's all one take. So if the characters are getting one take, it fills me into their shoes much better. And it's, it's a great thing to do. And I'm going to say it. I think this is the best gunfight in all of TV history. Okay. I mean, that's that's a. I gotta think about what I'd compare it. Not to, saying but... movies, but TV. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I can't. It's the only thing the second season is renowned for is the huge fucking LA gunfight, like a really well shot, mm. well done, like heat esque gunfight. Um, but this is still more suspenseful, like uh, 
pretty incredible just a, a wonderful feat of filmmaking and yeah comparing <laughs> comparing ratings again about two million people watch this jesus wow jesus yeah and and it still it was like everything everyone was talking about at work the next day was like Did you, are you watching true detective because holy shit i here's what i i and where where we are now 10 years later where i am in fact watching true detective every sunday with my lady uh mm -hmm. fucking great i want behind the scenes footage just five seconds showing me what work matthew mcconaughey and woody harrelson are doing as executive producers i want to know what their day-to-day -day grind <laughs> is on true detective season four did they go to iceland did <laughs> Did they learn no. any new uh, Inuit languages? Come on, let me show me. I got to know. And no, uh, are, we should. Those are courtesy titles. Come on. This is where the uh, smoking. The Matthew, Matthew McConaughey. Every, I've seen that so many times. Every time I see it, I'm like, every time. Is that enhanced? I don't remember that. And it's just, no, it's real. It's totally real. Yeah, it's a bug eyed look. For the longest time, I thought that was John Turturro. <laughs> <laughs> that looks like him. No, what? it's a, a what do you call it? A, a post what was that movie McConaughey? Post Dallas Buyers Club McConaughey, Craggy yeah. and all. Uh, and then let's lastly get into some games here because there's some uh, goodies and mega notable ones. Uh, for Far Cry, Far Cry Classic coming to uh, PlayStation and Xbox. I, it took me so long to realize that Far Cry was one of my favorite series. It, and it began as a showcase, a graphics showcase. It would come with some graphics cards because it was really hard to run because it was really fucking pretty. So I I don't even know. Can you imagine playing a game in its entirety on your friend's PC? Why did he even let me do that? But that's what I did in one shot with Far Cry because I couldn't run it on mine. So it's it was great to have a re-release version that I could now run beyond optimally. Uh, and yeah, that comes out on consoles. One Piece Romance Dawn for 3DS. JR, you're the One Piece guy. <laughs> I've, I've yet to watch a single thing of One Piece. You're only 600 episodes behind, and I'm not kidding. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, and then who could forget World of Tanks? One of our first podcast sponsors back in the day. World of Tanks coming to Xbox 360 with... Uh, it's what it says in the box. World is <laughs> a persistent world of massively multiplayer online tankage. Enjoy. And if you enjoy man and those tank controls, it's also referring to two, jerking two guys off. Uh, <laughs> you're going to love being inside of a submarine. The weirdest first party Nintendo IP of all time. Steel Diver gets a sequel. Sub Wars. I, I was not quite believing that this is actually a nintendo nintendo property but yeah this yeah, is nintendo the, this made is the, a the, sub simulator the game they launched the 3ds with steel diver holy shit it's again one of the weirder first party nintendo games ever and this got even more mixed reviews than the originals <laughs> but it's it's out then but we're not done yet we got to tell you who died during this period and a little quiz you can play along with about who was born uh during this partition of 302010 i've never said that before uh but let's get some plugs out first patreon.com slash laser time support us support the show we do appreciate it we'll give you extra stuff got a new episode about terminator uh from 40 years ago we don't have space for in 302010 but terminator is such a fucking rip-ass movie to talk about and i'm i never put it on before t2 but every time it's on and i see it I'm like this fucking rules this this rules and is almost in a different genre that what Terminator would become. So cool. So patreon.com slash laser time, five bucks, that and hundreds of other podcasts, hundreds of bonus stuff, commentary, full-length movie commentaries 
Di, where can folks find you? You can find me on the blue sky at listenerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show. Uh, no, never mind. You can't follow the show. You can only follow me. I refuse to let you follow the show. But <laughs> okay, good. Next week, we have uh, a disaster movie and its mockbuster coming out against each what? other. Hell yeah. That that will be fun. Um, no more we an- are going. <laughs> no more Android cop for us. No more Android cop. <laughs> Uh, we're going to talk about Gene Hackman's final film. Yes, I know what it is. We are going to talk about um, <laughs> a whole bunch of uh, Chappelle show and Charlie Murphy's true Hollywood stories, which are <laughs> the best thing that ever happened on Chappelle show. Charlie Murphy. Fuck your couch. God, I'm, I miss that guy. <laughs> and then... Oh, Lord. We we are going to talk about what put Steven Seagal into movie jail. Ooh. Besides all of the crime. Oh. And get ready for some quality Gen X bitching. Because there are two movies that are like, this is what Generation X is going to be. We've already talked about singles. And now we're going to talk about why I have a vendetta against Ben Stiller. Even <laughs> though I don't really. But I do. And an even bigger God. soundtrack. Whew. Damn. Uh, you're making all female film students look bad, Winona. What are you doing? Your footage is terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. I am going to... Oh, God. I'm probably going to rant until I pass out. It's. Uh, I've been waiting 30 years to finally have somewhere <laughs> where I can complain about this movie so fucking much. <sighs> and I love everyone in it so damn much. Anyway. And if that wasn't enough, <laughs> Martin Lawrence is going to get banned from SNL for life. Mm. Whoa. Remember what I said about taping every episode? Lucky boy. Got that monologue. Uh, Four friends are going to stop having sex while being in New York City. (gasps) Oh, no. Hmm. And Donkey Kong gets frozen in the tropics. Ah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Play as doodly. Uh, Anyway. Anyway. With that out of the way, GR, we got to talk about who was born with what? Uh, the death thing? Oh, the death we thing. we need to talk <laughs> about who died? Yes, my bad. <laughs> Skip the head. <laughs> Die who died during this period of 302010. Okay. Well, in 1994, Russia executed Andrei Chikatilo, who's 57. He is... I, I read and listen to a lot of true crime, and he is one of the ones like, nope. I'd nope right the hell out of it. He might be the worst, most disgusting serial killer of all time. At least 50 people, uh, mostly women and children. Wow. A lot of children. And we are going to talk about the movie based on him next year. Citizen X is an incredible film. Oh, boy. Wow. Really shows like uh, the Soviet system said... Uh, serial killers are a decadent Western problem. We don't have those, so it just ignored reality for its political mm-hmm. ideals, which is yeah. always the way to go. Yeah, it's um, yeah, he's he's the worst, and he's one of these guys where it's like you read about his upbringing, and you're like, yeah, he didn't have a chance. He he was he was he was born bad, and also like in World War II in the Soviet Union as a child, you're gonna eat grass to survive. Like, <laughs> oh, don't don't look into it. It's it's stomach churning. Let's talk about two people who are legends, though. They're good, good people. Man. In 2014 is when we lost Shirley Temple. She was 85. Man. She 
starred in movies starting at the age of three and retired at 21. It's Jeez. it's so incredible. That's so incredible to think about. And just, like, I've only recently started, like, yeah, I'm an older person. I refer to my, yeah, yeah I'm old. I'm not, not a kid anymore. I use my phone and I share memes making fun of Apple Vision with my friends. And I feel like I do young things. But then something will come along like you are a genuine old person. When you had 13 cable channels, one of them was Nickelodeon. And every weekend they would play a Shirley Temple movie, usually The Little Princess. And I'd watch them all like to say that out loud makes me feel like I'm from I'm like nine generations older than I am but that but that but I, I'm saying that more of a testament to her legacy the films that Nick early Nickelodeon could afford that were still appealing to children were 50 fucking years old and they they moved on to other stuff but like yeah to me the old Nickelodeon you can't do that on television European animation interstitials, but a lot Shirley Temple. Like I watched a lot of Shirley Temple movies there on early Nickelodeon and Banana Man, mm-hmm. of course. Who could forget Banana? Do you know oh. if she got screwed? Did she get her money, or did her parents get all her money? I can't imagine because the thing that one of the reasons a lot of people hate Reagan's because he made 1965 the cutoff for residuals or some shit like that. Like mm. anything made before 65 uh, before 1965. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I think she did pretty well out of retirement. Um, she was <laughs> the U.S. ambassador to Czechoslovakia. Wow, what? <laughs> yeah, no, she she ended up with a diplomatic career uh, into the in the 70s and 80s, where yeah, she was the <laughs> our ambassador to Czechoslovakia twice, our ambassador to Ghana, the uh, what the chief of protocol of the United States, the person who's like in charge of how things are done, which is kind of adorable. Um, yeah, you know, she had a bunch of kids, and and she she also like uh, I saw some piece on it on TCM. She had a huge merchandise line, like Olsen yeah. twin shit kind of stuff, like not based on her movies, based on her, and mm-hmm. probably made more money off that than any of the movies. It's true. And also survived breast cancer in her forties. Wow. Kept going. Yeah. And was very open about, you know, like, yeah, this isn't, should not be a taboo subject. You got to talk about breast cancer. And then, ah, we lost one of my favorites in 2014. We lost Sid Caesar, who is 91. The, I'm going to go and say he's the first great comedian of television. Uh, We're talking about forties television. Yeah. So Uh, I, I found out something and maybe this is helpful to some people. Like, if you see who was involved with Sid Caesar, who's in, like everyone I grew up loving was inspired by the Sid Caesar show. And that's not even talking about the people who came out of writing it, which is yeah. incredible. Cause apparently he was like a really good guy to comedians, very supportive uh, to comedian writers. And I was sort of heartbroken to learn that those shows are kind of all lost, mostly lost. A lot of them are lost. A lot of them have found their way to YouTube. I, I've watched yeah. an awful lot of Caesar's Hour and show of shows, things that I, you know, I mean, it's sketch comedy, but the sketches are fucking long. So it's like if SNL had 20 minute sketches. <laughs> and sometimes they have 30 second sketches. So what, but, I did find recently, yeah. Sid Caesar's show, show that it was so popular, they made a movie out of it. And by movie, they compiled the best of the television show and so like oh you could find this movie and it's the best Mm -hmm. of the television show it's what made every single important person or inspired every important person from 40 years ago in comedy 
I'm just putting that out there. There's a Sid Caesar Show of Shows movie that you can find yep. that does have those preserved. Yep. It's called 10 from Your Show of Shows. I watched it a bunch as a kid. Wow. And my I've parents never, would explain the jokes that I didn't get because, yeah, we're talking about sketches from like 1949 sometimes. But yeah, man. Mel Brooks, Neil Simon, Carl Reiner, they, they were all writers yeah. for Caesar. He, he basically discovered and developed all of them. So, mm. yeah, this is the guy who gave us Mel Brooks. If, yeah. if you need just that. But also, like, yeah, he's in, you know, silent movies. A lot of people know him from Greece. He's no, a coach the, the, in Greece. The way they talk about him, he he, yeah. he was support, so supportive of these guys. Those guys, for us, have been supportive of younger comedians. Like, Carl Reiner helps launch Dick Van Dyke to Steve Martin. And Mel Brooks found Dave Chappelle before anybody else ever did. And, like, uh, yep. made a star at a Dom DeLuise. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, just yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I've always wanted to. Know, I watched the documentary in Sid Caesar. I've always wanted to see more of this stuff. So Jesus, longest death segment ever. My apologies. Yeah, no, because it it is a hell of a rabbit hole to go down and just watch some of the sketches. You know, yeah. I mean, that's where two thousand year old man comes out of. But Sid Caesar especially was really good at faking foreign languages, mm-hmm. where it sounded like he was speaking fluent Italian or fluent German, and then, and there would be whole sketches based on it. And there's so much fun, Forget and he's just. It really really good at pretending and every now and then there'll be like a word that might be real <laughs> but you don't know no, it, it's a really specific talent that i really wish i had anyway yeah now that we've talked about dead people what do we have here now it's time for the b- 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 birthday quiz get born okay mm. celebrate my Turning. born legacy <laughs> 70 years old shirley temp no can't be it. Born. Sorry, I, I lost it. <laughs> Sorry. They weren't born. I had it here. No one was born. Okay, doing it again. Turning 70 years old. Born February 15, 1954, in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. Same year as Creature from Black Lagoon and Godzilla. Yeah. So... I'm not going to name any of his siblings or his mother or father because that would instantly give it away. Is this an Arquette? No. 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 Huh. Uh, he attended Ainsworth Elementary School in Lincoln High School before going to Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington, which he called... Is it? G- you got it. Hold it. it. Do I have it? Is it... Oh. I think I might have it. Keep going. Keep going. My dog has it. We're, we'll we'll oh, save no. it for the listeners. A hippie college with no grades or required classes that drew every weirdo in the Northwest. Including my husband. And this guy was his commencement speaker. Wow. Nice. He first became interested in cartoons after watching the Disney animated film 101 Dalmatians. He cited Robert Crumb. Ronald Surly, Monty Python, oh. and Charles Schultz as inspiration. Oh, okay. what a, what a cool clue. Sorry, I just got to keep going, keep going. Yeah. Uh, he has had nine children, wow. most of which were born while he was in his 60s. Oh, my. Uh, he married his first wife in 1986 and his second wife in 2011. Uh, his most recent child was born two years ago when he would have been 68. Wow, okay. 
Yeah. At age of 21, he went to Los Angeles to become a writer, had a series of lousy jobs in his words, uh, including bussing tables, washing dishes, clerking at a pizza record store, landscaping in a sewage treatment plant, and chauffeuring (laughs) and ghostwriting for retired Western director. He has been nominated for 41 Emmy Emmy Awards. And has won 13 of them. Oh, my wow. God. What do you do with all them right. all at that point? One for every good season. Uh, just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he made his first professional cartoon sale in 1978 in an avant-garde magazine. That cartoon was Life in Hell. Hey. He went on to refuse to sell Life in Hell and instead decided to create another cartoon because he didn't want to lose the rights to life in hell that cartoon appeared on the tracy ullman show starring the simpson family which has since done 760 episodes as well as futurama and uh fantasy one disenchanted disenchanted yeah that was so clever of you is not going to name any of siblings and i expected a famous family yep. but the yeah me too the, but, yeah, but I was no like, oh he's he's the chill it's you know like it's gonna be ron howard or something uh, <laughs> no, his, like, his younger sisters are lisa and maggie, maggie. Mm-hmm. his mother his father is homer his mother's marge and his brother's brad i believe that's the only one they own yeah that's the only one which so really cr- should have been like Homer's brother should have been named Brad. Back but, when we oh, uh, oh. were the kings of free time and chatting around on message boards and early internet, the speculation that we would speculate on where Springfield was. And mm-hmm. Portland ended up being most of it. Like, no, this newscaster, this clown character, this theme park, like this is, these are all things in the Portland area. I just remember like, you're from there so like it's yeah did you so we did didn't you have a clown we had ramblin rod well you probably was before a, you were born son yeah there right was a, there was a, there was a local do they, clown do they have a tire fire <laughs> <laughs> we do not have a do, do you see fire. springfield as do you see portland and springfield i mean no because Portland is a major town. Mm-hmm. I mean, Springfield always struck me as more of like a Bend, Oregon type thing. It's got a movie you know? studio. Yeah. <laughs> Trusty um, Luke. Okay. Uh, it looks like there was a James H. Allen who played Rusty Nails, Rusty the host Nails. of uh, uh, Oregon uh, cartoon clown show, you know, 1957 to 1972. So Chief. And now Matt, people, when I hear people speculate on where Springfield is, I'm like, shut the fuck, who the fuck cares? Who cares? Why would we care at all? It's, yeah, it's, it's perfect because there's Springfields in almost every single state. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Evergreen Terrace is from uh, Evergreen College. Wow. Where they, yeah, I think they just started maybe adding grades. Yeah, and they didn't really have majors either. It sounds like pretty groovy. We well, get their alumni magazine. Sounds like a ripoff. God damn it. You still get a diploma. Like you you have a certain number of classes you have to do well in. You know? I mean, I think they can fail you if you're just like you literally never showed up. No, we don't no. Uh-uh. I think uh, Lisa or Maggie married the guy who went on to create Hey Arnold. And huh. <laughs> it's just... All right. So that gosh, is yeah. it. Happy happy birthday, Matt Groening. That I don't like realizing that means so he was in his mid thirties when The Simpsons started. Yeah. 
and he, well, he only just out. stopped doing life in hell he never stopped yeah and ah, then, up until recently I love those books. man uh and those, then this used to get traded around like when i was in middle school life in hell and work is hell those those got traded around a lot they're really fun yeah I, they got traded around because of the simpsons no one knew anything about it and then it was like hey oh, yeah. did you know the Simpsons guy did this our and town wasn't cool enough our, our, nah. our town wasn't cool enough to have a life in hell published anywhere but we definitely yeah. found it after the Simpsons for sure. And mm-hmm. uh, well, happy birthday, Yay. Matt Groening. Um, and then we that that is that is it for the show. Patreon.com slash laser time. Five bucks, please. We love you. Uh, we'll close out with No Excuses by Allison Chains because Diana promised it. Uh, say the best selling LP of all time. EP. EP. Best selling EP. Yeah. The first EP to make number one. Yeah. I love that it's a song called No Excuses. And then we bumped it. And then I didn't make any excuses. We just kept not playing it. So it's time to finally fucking play it. Here you go. Here you go. Your country fried, Kentucky fried uh, Seattle music. No excuses. Allison Chains. We'll take us out. But patreon.com slash laser time. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.